Hi, uh, today we're talking about Freeway 2, Confessions of a Trick Baby, and it is one of the more offensive films we've talked about. Mm -hmm. So our intro today is just going to be some content warnings for you. There is a lot of talk about sexual abuse, uh, especially childhood sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. There's eating disorder stuff. There's a lot of violence, drug use, cannibalism, a lot of vomiting, and content that can be, is, I would just say is, transphobic. Yes. And this movie, again, is called The Aristocrats. <laughs> uh, Freeway 2, Confessions of a Trick Baby. I don't want to see an ordinary film. I want to see something extraordinary. Your sacrifice completes my sanctuary of 1,000 testicles. You ever feel as if your mind had started to erode? Let's rock indeed. I'm Brad Hefner, and this is 1000 Wives of Weird, a podcast that is a celebration of weird film. With me, as always, is my co-host... Billy Martell. And today, despite the very serious intro, <laughs> we're talking about a ludicrous film. Yes, uh, we should apologize. We're never sure exactly what order these episodes are going to come out. But in the order that we recorded these episodes, last week we watched Hackers with our special guest Stephen Collier, who uh, made a selection of what movie we were going to talk about next. Yeah. Uh, what did he choose? Bad Biology. Bad Biology. Unfortunately, we are somewhat hampered by what movies were are available to us yes. via streaming services and other uh, methods, and we weren't able to get Bad Biology available for both of us to watch in time for this episode, No, so we went with uh, a runner-up pick, Freeway 2, Confessions of a Trick Baby. If you would like for us to have more money to make such concerns as what movies we can watch not a problem anymore... Get more of your friends to listen to the show. <laughs> yeah. Send PayPal money to wivesofweird at gmail.com. <laughs> I never check it, but maybe I will. Maybe he will. Let, um, tune in next week to find out if Brad checked his PayPal account. There's a lot going on in this movie. There's, oh, uh, there's so much going on. Now, we've talked about uh, that recently on the show, we've mostly been covering stuff which, that you recommend considered to be on the low end of the weird spectrum. Yeah, we haven't really gotten super weird or super fucked up. And I, as we mentioned in the very first episode, have a less of a weird barometer than you do because a lot of the stuff that we're, that we're talking about in this show is very new to me. Yes. On a weird scale, where does this movie lie? Oh, Jesus. Um, again, there are gradients of weird. So if I were to say, like, the, the weird you're getting with this movie is not the weird that you would get with Hodorowski or Lynch, or okay. uh, Bunuel. Mm -hmm. It's it's not exactly playing it's more of a narrative form or anything John like that. Waters weird. Okay. More of a weirdness through bad taste mm -hmm. and extreme, extreme outre shit. Sure. And even when we talked about John Waters, we talked about one of the most vanilla John Waters yeah. movies out there, Crybaby. Crybaby, yes. This is much more in, in the, the vein, vein of female trouble. Of female trouble, yeah. So, very briefly, Freeway 2, Confessions of a Trick Baby, you always have to say the entire title. Always. Because it is the best title of anything ever. <laughs> it's better than Breaking 2, Electric Boogaloo. I'm going to say it. It's better than the incredibly strange creatures who stopped living and became mixed up zombies. I mean, that's a great title. It is a pretty great title. But... But it's better than it. Freeway 2, Confession... Well, this is the best sequel title, let's oh, say that. Oh, okay. Okay. Eh, Empire Strikes Back is pretty good. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Star uh, Trek II, The Wrath of Khan? Mm, sure. Sure. 
I'll allow it. Yeah. As a as a favor to you, my friend, I'll allow this. <laughs> I'll allow your selection into my Hall of Fame. Okay. Well, I mean, I feel like that's a bit nepotistic, but okay. Uh, sure. Yeah. It's more cronyism. Oh, okay. Freeway 2, Confessions of a Trick Baby, is about a teenage girl mm-hmm. named Crystal White Girl Van Meter mm-hmm. who gets sent to a minimum security juvenile detention slip center slash medical facility mm-hmm. hooks up with a serial killer they break out and go to mexico that is probably the most minuscule detail the plot description you could possibly yeah. give should we not say what the story is based on before spoilers uh we can say it it this is uh based on hansel and gretel very yes. loosely very loosely because it is a sequel to a, the original movie freeway which was based on little, little red, red riding, riding hood. hood so it's continuing the sort of it's not continuing the story of any of the characters from no. the first freeway it is con- so you do not have to watch freeway in fact i personally have not seen freeway at the time of this recording but uh it is continuing the vibe of just taking an old nursery rhyme or fairy tale and turning it into an exploitation uh, yes clusterfuck absolutely and mm. like you said you don't need uh, this is a totally standalone movie yes they actually are scenes where people are watching the movie freeway in this movie i wondered if that was what was happening in those scenes yeah i did not have context for that uh freeway is also a great movie also a candidate for this show but mm-hmm. I just watched this recently after loving Freeway for a while, and I was like, holy fuck. (laughs) Would you say that this is weirder than Freeway? This is much more... Yes. 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 It's it's weirder. It's more tasteless. Mm -hmm. It's more offensive. Mm -hmm. But I I recommend Freeway. Yeah. But let's talk about Freeway 2, Confessions of a Trick Baby. Billy, would you recommend... Freeway 2, Confessions of a Trick Baby. I'm going to uh, put a gigantic asterisk uh, next to my recommendation, but yes. The gigantic asterisk uh, has to do with everything that we just talked about in the pre-theme song segment. All of those trigger warnings are the gigantic asterisk plus the second asterisk of the thing that offended me most about this movie is that Vincent Gallo is in it. Yeah. And I'm not okay with Vincent Gallo being in things in general. But the fact that he is in it is a very small part of the film overall. And most of the movie I quite enjoyed. The The movie definitely has that uh, aspect of it where it is like John Waters stuff. And we, we've talked about this when we talked about John Waters. We've also talked about this when we talked about Starkid. When they do offensive material, there's an attitude about the film which feels tongue-in-cheek. It feels campy. It feels like... They're not trying to hurt anyone. Yeah. They're trying to produce a sleazy bit of entertainment. Mm-hmm. And they're not attempting to actively make uh, anyone's lives more difficult through that entertainment. They're just trying to have fun. Yeah. And you can especially tell this because the lead actress, Natasha Leone, who a lot of horrible things happen to, and, and it. it says a lot of horrible things through the movie, is also one of the main, one of the producers of the film. Oh, is she? Yeah. So I she, did not realize. She had a, so you can tell, like, she had a hand behind the camera as well as on in front of the camera. Yeah. And you can tell that, like, the things that her character is going through, she's at least nominally on board with. Yes. Uh, and was able, was willing to sign her name to. That, that makes a big difference as opposed to 
I don't know, something like Antichrist, where it feels like some sort of misanthrope taking out his aggression on the on celluloid. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this movie. Like Crybaby, like John Waters, it's an absolute cartoon of a film. Yes. Uh, it's ridiculous, and I thought it was great. It's You're not going to be getting... If you're a big Natasha Lyonne fan like I absolutely am, you're not going to be getting the best acting of her career, nor the best acting of anybody's career in the movie. That's not what the movie's here for. I obviously would recommend it. Mm -hmm. We've said it before on the show, if you watch something, if you read something, whatever, and it offends you, Mm -hmm. you have every right to be offended. Absolutely. If you were to watch this movie and not enjoy it because it is offensive, that's perfectly okay. Mm -hmm. We sit in the fortunate position to be cishet white men. Yes. Where the things that can offend us, it's a short list of like things that are ingrained in our being. Right. So it's easier for us to watch stuff like this than other people. We've also been through comparatively relatively little trauma. Sure. Compared to some. Compared to a lot of people in the world. Yes. So... That's where we're coming from. But mm-hmm. I love this movie. It's it might be the last great American exploitation film. <laughs> this was nineteen ninety nine. It has that John Waters vibe like female trouble where it's just bad girls doing bad shit. Oh yeah. And I I realized this. I had a revelation reading mm-hmm. John Waters' book Shock Value, where he talks about his love of bad girls. And I realized like, oh yeah, that's what I have. <laughs> I love a bad girl. Oh, I love because I love uh, Faster Pussycat. I love right. Female Trouble. I mm-hmm. love Japanese girl gang movies, Sukaban, right. shit like that. I love it when women we're, do crimes. We're both a big fan of the female prisoner the scorpion, scorpion movies, yeah. and our favorite one was the second one, which is about basically the entire prison of of women breaking out and just doing a whole bunch of horrible shit yeah. across the countryside. No, I just I love. Movies about women doing violent crimes. Sure. I will say, uh, I watched this movie with my wife, uh, Kaylee, and when the movie was over, one of the main things she said was, it's just kind of cool to see women be get to be the psychos for once. Yeah. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's something weirdly endearing about that, because most of the time... Women don't get to be the Joker. They have to be Harley Quinn. Yeah. They have to be the redeemable one. And it's still it's still a thing where a ton of terrible shit is happening to them. Yeah. But th- this is a movie about control. Absolutely. The big theme of the film is control. If the movie can be said to have theme, that is it. But uh, let's get into discussing or going through the plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, this came out in 1999. This is just a little background before we get into the plot. Mm-hmm. Premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival in the Midnight Madness category, but no one wanted to pick up this film, so it went direct-to-video. Aw. <laughs> yeah. That's sad. I have seen a lot of very negative reviews of this movie. Oh, yeah, people don't enjoy this. Specifically saying, what a disappointing follow-up to Freeway. And I'm... You haven't... You've said that you enjoyed Freeway, but you have not said that Freeway was anything other than other exploitation. Yeah, it's fantastic sleaze. Like, it's great. Right. But, but it is more sleaze, right? It is more sleaze. It's more grounded. There are a lot of things in this film that are not in that film. Let me just put it like that. Okay, fair enough. This is written and directed by Matthew Bright. And aside from the first freeway, Matthew Bright is probably best known for Tiptoes. Yes. You told me about that 
before I watched it, I forgot, and then I was looking him up after I watched it, found it again, and was surprised all over again. Yeah, if you're not familiar, Tiptoes is a movie about little people where Gary Oldman, average-sized man, yes. plays a little person. Yes, they have. They do have actual little people they in do. the cast, including the, Peter Dinklage. It just kind of like goes all the way back to West Side Story, where like, hey, we have Hispanic people in the movie, but they have to also be in brown face to make them look more like the white people we have in the movie. Yeah, brown face. We begin with our heroine. Crystal Van Meter mm -hmm. being sentenced to juvenile detention slash a medical facility by John Landis by John famous murderer John Landis <laughs> knew that we were it wasn't going to be long before that got brought up yeah yeah do you think they uh, just for fun Matthew Wright was like hey John let's turn that bench around and <laughs> try you for the death of Vic Morrow. <laughs> And those children. You think it was like a sting operation? Hey, John, we have this movie about teen prostitutes. You want to come by? <laughs> After she turns 19 in her juvenile detention facility, mm -hmm. she will then have to serve an additional 25 years. Yes. Now, Wikipedia says that Crystal is 15 years old. Yeah, I don't buy it for a second. I don't buy it. It's also never said in the film. Right. So I'm going to pretend that she's not. Honestly, I after they said that in the opening, I immediately forgot that that was how old she was supposed to be. Did and they say I, it in the opening? Well, when she, they said that she was going, when she turned 18, when she turned 19, yeah. she was going to. That's the only real reference to her being a teenager in the yeah. entire movie. After they said that, I completely forgot that they had said that. I went through the whole movie imagining her as an adult. Okay. And then when I... I read reviews and stuff, like I said, after the fact, and realized she was supposed to be a teenager the entire time. It also doesn't help that Natasha Lyonne, since playing Crystal in this movie, has become very popular for playing a character in another women in prison story, Orange is a New Black. Yeah. So seeing her in this role was very usual for me watching her like walk around a prison and in, in prison get up with this sort of like you can all go fuck yourselves attitude yeah. that Natasha Leone does so well it's a very familiar sight for people nowadays and when you think of her that way you think of her as modern day adult Natasha Leone yeah. you don't think of her as the way audiences would have seen this, which is, hey, that's that girl from But I'm a Cheerleader. Yes. And American Pie, in which they would have been used to seeing her as a teenager, kind of like seeing Tom Holland in anything where he doesn't play a teenager now is super yeah. weird. Uh, and the same, it's the same deal with the first Freeway, which starred Reese Witherspoon in mm. as a teen prostitute, which is insane. Yeah, no, that that's super weird for us now, but at the time when she was also in... Uh, at the time when she was a supple young teen, it's a natural choice. Is that what you're telling me, Billy? No, the, I'm saying that the other role that she was in around the same time was as the prom queen in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. So, not as weird at the time. Crimes include selling drugs mm -hmm. and posing as a prostitute, then beating and robbing her tricks. Which is great! It I is. love it. I love it. The judge is more sympathetic to the men who are just looking for a good time than he Ugh. is to Crystal. Which, again, like, right away, it, the movie is establishing problems with authority, the hypocrisy, the... Which is which is great. It's great because, like, a lot of exploitation films, especially from, like, the golden eras of exploitation, tended to side more with the systems of authority. Yeah. Especially back in the 50s when you would have films where it's like, we'll enjoy all this uh, youthful... Uh, juvenile delinquency exploitation but at the end we always have to have the judge be like like in crybaby is like you're you're gonna be in jail until you can drive or whatever yeah 
But in this movie, because it was well, made in it's the more 90s, harkening to the seventies and eighties yeah, of exploitation, where we we can like actually say, hey, maybe the system is really fucked up. Yeah, uh, Crystal is played by Natasha Lyonne, as we mm-hmm. said. She is be- probably best known now for her Netflix series Russian Doll, which yes. she created, co-wrote some episodes, and directed an episode mm-hmm. of. Yeah, and as I said, she is a producer of this show. Mm-hmm. This she started being working behind the scenes of her own projects way back when 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 this was made, and she said that uh, I, I found it, the I couldn't find any inform any footage of her talking about this movie, mm-hmm. but I could find uh, her talking about the idea of being a producer on her own movies in general, in which she said. Um, uh, I think when you come from the world of independent movies, it's something that's collaborative by nature. You really become a small team that's on a mission. You only shoot for like three weeks, but you're trying to pull it together for years. So you get much more involved than you would in an ordinary movie that you've just been cast in that already has financing. To keep my mind occupied, to keep myself excited about things that start from the ground up, you sort of become like a de facto producer, just to be a part of the engine keeping the project alive. No, she's not a she's not a dumb lady. She's no, not a. I love Natasha. She didn't Leon. get like duped into making this film. She gets on a bus where she meets her soon to be cellmate. Mm-hmm. They go to the detention facility. She's represented by a lo- lawyer played by David, David Allen Greer. David Allen Greer, who's on In Living Color, who's on In Living Color, and he definitely brings a lot of that In Living Color energy to yes. to the sprawl. The reason why she is being sent to a detention slash medical facility is because she has an eating disorder. Yes, namely bulimia. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, through the lawn, we make a lot of jokes on this podcast. But we're not going to make any jokes about the content warnings we listed just to... Not that it gives me any excuse or right or whatever to talk about anything, but I had an aunt who passed away from an eating disorder. There are people still living in my family with eating disorders. Oh, really? So it's like... You're kind of a sore subject. Not really. It's just like I watch this and it's like, oh, yeah, I've... Not that I understand it, but it mm-hmm. has some personal connection to me. I will say, it's something I realized when watching this movie. I had a feeling a couple of times that like my leg was being pulled and like that there were some jokes being made yeah. with the uh, eating disorder stuff that I wasn't fully understanding because I really have no context whatsoever from my own personal life. Or just any understanding of how eating disorders work. Okay. And so when I was watching the movie, I was like, I can't tell if this is supposed to be funny because it's entirely over the top. Or if this is not supposed to be funny, if this is just supposed to be realistic. I can't tell if there's a joke or not because I don't know what's normal. Oh, did we even mention yet this is a comedy? No, I don't think we did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, shit. This is something Um, of a black comedy. Yes. Uh, we did. A I did very, I, very black. Comedy. I did mention that the movie is ridiculous and it's a cartoon. And True. I com- when we compared it to Female Trouble and Crybaby, which are yeah. both very funny movies, so I think people could probably have gleaned that. Hopefully, the cats are very rambunctious. Today. The cats are very rambunctious today. Crystal gets to her cell mm-hmm. and immediately begins to purge into the toilet. Yes, as for the, an exceedingly long amount of time. But the title comes up yes. in this great '70s font. Yes. Pure exploitation. Freeway 2, Confessions of a Trick Baby. It looks and like either a something that would come up in, well, a John Waters movie, but like a Quentin Tarantino movie yeah. or a Bruno Mars video. Anything's trying to evoke the 70s. This is a very artfully framed vomiting scene. 
Sure. I'm going to I'm going to say this. I noted this. We see no vomit yet. We will see vomit we later. We will. Don't you worry on Crystal is in the foreground sort of in like a half shadow and her cellmate is in the background in repose on the bunk mm-hmm. watching her as this goes on and on and on. It goes on for so long. It's so good. Crystal finishes and climbs up on the top bunk. It's like a family guy joke. It just goes on forever. <laughs> Hilarious. But funny. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's the difference. And it's not it's not funny because she has an eating disorder. It's funny because it just it's goes just on so for extreme. So long. Yeah. Every it's so... every bit where you think that like any any director, if the point of the scene was just, hey, she's vomiting and she has an eating disorder, she's suffering. If that was the point of the scene, it would have cut off five times before the shot yeah. actually ends. It's a fact that it just keeps going. It's like RoboCop when uh, Paul Verhoeven shows the guy getting shot by the in Ed the boardroom in the boardroom by the Ed Two Hundred Nine for just a little bit too long, just yeah. to let you know this is ridiculous. This is yeah. absurd. He's not just getting shot; he's getting blown apart. But I will point out that, as we already said, the theme of this movie is control. Yes. And eating disorders are about control. Okay. It's about... It's it's not necessarily about, like... And I used to think this, too. Like, oh, I need to look pretty. It's mm-hmm. like, I need to have control over something. Like, I need this control. Are eating disorders caused psychologically, or are they a physical ailment? I always thought they were a physical ailment. I'm not sure. I know they can manifest from... From psychological. From trauma and okay. stuff. like, Especially sexual abuse. Mm, interesting. Okay. A situation where control is taken away at a cr- critical time. Ah. And, Okay. Yeah. This is just what I've come to understand. Right. I'm not a doctor or a psychiatrist or anything. I yes. could be completely wrong. You still know more than I do, so. Well, I know something. Yeah. I don't which know is, if. Again, more than I know. <laughs> well, I know one thing now. But now Crystal is in a position where she has zero control. Oh, I will say, while she's vomiting over the toilet, there is the most jaunty 70s sort of like techno beat score happening, which is, you know, quite festive. And her first action when she has lost all control is to purge, and she is purging an excessive amount. Mm -hmm. She climbs up on the top bunk, and her cellmate, Cyclona, Mm -hmm. asks if she wants her to eat her pussy. You know, just being neighborly. Yeah. Yeah. Crystal declines... We learn that most people call Crystal white girl. Right. Later, Cyclona is masturbating, repeatedly saying, I love you, Sporty Spice. <laughs> Which, white- weirdly, when I was looking for trying to desperately find Natasha Leone talking about this movie in interviews, yeah. I saw a, a Jay Leno appearance okay. where he, trying to, or I guess, relate to her as a young person, brought up the Spice Girls. Asked her if she liked the Spice Girls. She's like, eh. And he was like, well, do you think you could be a Spice Girl? Because Jay Leno was the worst. Yeah. But he asked her, do you think you could be a Spice Girl? And she said, I don't know, maybe Jewy Spice. (laughs) (laughs) Because Natasha Leone's the best. White girl yells at her, and that's the end of the scene. We just get, for whatever reason... cut that out! (laughs) There are just a couple little short vignettes. Yeah. Um... Of her and Cyclona living together in a cell. Next scene, Cyclona is on the floor in her underwear having a bit of a freak out. Mm -hmm. White girl asks her how she got a life sentence. Mm -hmm. Cyclona avoids the question by saying she heard a voice and it told her so much shit. Mm -hmm. Another very short scene. We also see that Cyclona has visions of someone floating above her. And we also get the first instance of the fact that the actress playing Cyclona 
has been given these contacts that cause her eyes to be permanently dilated yeah. in a number of scenes, specifically the scenes where she's having these sort of religious moments. Uh, and I thought that was a very effective uh, and very subtle effect. They yeah. never quite draw attention to it. But no, it is they there. don't. And it's almost like when you see her eyes, you're like, "What the fuck is wrong with her eyes?" Right. Uh, like it, it's it's just it, but it just appears off. Yeah. And that's uh, that's an unusually subtle moment for this movie, which is not very subtle as we no. will find going forward. Cyclona is played by Maria Celadonio, mm-hmm. who's not had much of an acting career. Which I thought was annoying. Yeah, it's unfortunate because she, she is giving 110 in this role. She is giving 110. I will say I was not too enamored with her performance overall. She is definitely committed to it, yeah. which is great. But again, I love Natasha Leone, and I'm not over the moon about Natasha Leone's performance either. The acting in this movie is not intended to be super realistic. No. And it's it's intended to be very theatrical and silly, and that's what they're giving. I think if this were the 70s or 80s, this lady would have been like an exploitation queen. I I hope so. Because she is fucking game for anything. Yes. She's given 110%. Mm Mm-hmm. And she is apparently okay with excessive nudity. As we're about to see, because sometime later in the rec room, Mm -hmm. Cyclona is lured into the shower by a teenage girl with a prosthetic hand with a hook. Yes. The cyborg pirate lesbian, as I referred to her in my my notes. Meanwhile, white girl is implored to eat, along with the rest of the eating disorder girls. They all throw away their food and go to throw up in the bathrooms in this... Again, it's very artful. Like yes. it's like a Bubsy Berkeley number where they're yeah. all like going to the toilets in succession and whipping their heads down. The and only thing that could have made it better is if they had that piece is like da 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 the Blue Danube. Even though the hook hand lady is now nude, mm-hmm. Cyclona still tears herself away from the shower tryst to go talk to white girl and tell her about. Her personal savior, Sister Gomez. Mm-hmm. Sister Gomez is a whole bag of tricks that we'll talk about later. We will talk about Sister Gomez. It's a lot to talk about with that. But I do want to say, I, I, at this point, this is the first time that we've had some like, we've had some masturbation. We've had some uh, like discussion, dirty of, talk, uh, dirty talk discussion of sexual themes. This is the first time we've had some like actual nudity in the movie. Yeah. And something I, I wanted to point out. We talk about how this movie has a theme of control, but we talk about. People having control over their bodies in movies in general and, and mm. nudity and stuff like that. I don't know who was up for and who was not up for the nude scenes in this movie. But there's a certain way that nudity and uh, sexuality in women is framed in movies as made by men most of the time. Yeah. That is inherently exploitative and is inherently from what is called the male gaze. And this movie, for the most part, seemed to avoid that. For the most part, and like I was, like there's definitely like they're showing off nudity. There, there, there's ex, there's an inherently exploitative thing there, but the camera doesn't like again going back to the famous shot of Megan Fox under the the car hood in the first Transformers. So famous, fully clothed woman, but the way the camera is like going over her body yeah. in that scene, it's very exploitative. It's very sexual inherently. It's the male gaze. In this movie, even though people are fully nude, experiencing sexual things, the camera is very not that. It's very non... 
male gazy. It's very sort of like matter of fact about everything. It's... The the perspective of the film seems to be fully from these women characters to the point where like over halfway through the movie, it was over halfway through the movie before we had really any significant contributions from any male character at all. Yeah, it is in, the movie's entirely driven by these women. You get these full scenes again with the vomiting and them talking after the vomiting about Sister Gomez and everything, where it's just the women talking about stuff. They're not talking about men. They're not talking about anything. They're just talking about their lives. Yeah. And I thought that was actually, again, for a movie that is inherently sleazy, is inherently exploitative, that's super cool. And yeah. something that movies that are supposedly high art and supposedly much more acceptable by, main, by mainstream standards could learn something from. Yeah. As uh, the girls are caught in their purge-a-thon, mm -hmm. and <laughs> their they're given an injection to suppress their gag reflex. Again, we're getting hammered with loss of bodily control. And the the woman giving them the, the shot is, is written like... Uh, nurse Ratched. She's a she's a Nurse Ratched character. She's a Nurse Ratched character, but she's Nurse Ratched is very sort of like a very sort of icy language which you talk. Yeah. This person is written more like a comic book villain where they they inject her with the thing to con this controls your gag reflex. Pretty creative, huh? <laughs> it's again, this movie is a is a fucking cartoon. Cyclona hatches a plan to escape before they're transferred to a maximum security center, mm -hmm. but White Girl isn't on board yet. Mm -hmm. The next morning. Crystal is being commanded to eat her breakfast burrito, which she hates. Mm -hmm. She slowly stands. The music is tense. Yes. It swells. She stares the the nurse, the warden, the the whatever guard, whatever is. the fuck she is. It has the nurse ratchet character. She's it, staring her down. It has all the energy of like cool hand Luke is about yeah. to really stand up to the prison guard. Fucking tell him off. Yeah. She opens her mouth and it's a torrent of vomit. It's is full Reagan from The Exorcist. Yes, but lasting about three times longer. <laughs> exactly. This w It's like she's getting slimed on Nickelodeon. Yes. But coming from a horizontal ang angle, and it's vomit. I wrote down, Natasha Leone has such fuck you presence, she could give uh, Street Fighter a run for his money. She has so much attitude in this movie. She's just... She's uh, so good. Like in, in every again, I have not seen her in a lot of stuff, but I've 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 seen her in Orange Is the New Black, I've seen her in this, and she just and in both roles she just has this sort of like, uh, like I could kill you with a look kind of yeah. energy, which I just fucking love. Also, something my wife pointed out: her hair is perfectly crimped every time she's in any scene in jail. So it doesn't start out on, like that. Good on you for for. I guess, smuggling that hair crimper into your prison cell. She gets thrown into isolation for this for a month. Yes. Uh, which really bugs Cyclona. Cyclona is also somehow thrown into isolation for, I guess, unrelated reasons. Well, she, when they tried to take White Girl away, I think she started a fight. Oh, did she? And I think she had a shank, actually. Oh my god, I, how did I miss this? It was very quick. Okay. I actually watched another person review this movie, and they also... Didn't know why she'd been thrown into isolation. Uh, so the month goes goes by quick. Sometime after, in a supply closet, all the eating disorder girls are sitting around, binging food and purging it into a communal bucket, having a puke party. They're having a puke party. This is another interesting sort of critique and commentary on exploitation itself. Mm -hmm. This is aside from. One-armed teen. Mm -hmm. This is a decidedly unsexy women in prison movie. 
Yeah, surprisingly. It's, again, even Orange is the New Black is much more exploitative than this. Like, one of the first things you see in Orange is the New Black is an alt, is a big shower sequence. Yeah. Uh, and this is, like, a bunch of uh, ladies just hanging out, smoking, throwing yeah. back all this junk food and puking in a bucket. And just, they, again, they're, they're making space for them to indulge in this control activity. Yeah, it's it's an act of rebellion against yeah. authority, which is despite the fact that Explicitly. it is harming them, yeah. this is how uh, this is what they have to fight back against. Right, right, exactly. And also it's eating disorders are just extremely hard to beat. Like yeah. it's and it doesn't seem like this is a very rehabilitative place. No, the first thing that they say to her about her eating disorder when she's led into the prison is they say, oh, we see you have an eating disorder. We don't tolerate that here. Yeah. Like, what What are you going to do about it? Well, apparently, the things that they did. But, like, it's, that's such a unhealthy way to talk about any kind of thing. Oh, you have autism? We don't tolerate that here. Yeah. What, what the fuck are you talking about? On the way back to her cell, after the puke party, mm-hmm. white girl finds Cyclona crying. Mm-hmm. Uh, more talk about fleeing and Sister Gomez. Sister Gomez used to call Cyclona her little movie star. Aww. Now. Big question here. Yes. Were alarm bells ringing? No. Okay. Because the movie was all... See, the thing is, <laughs> the tone that the movie sets is already so far from reality... Yeah. ...that I didn't take what they were saying seriously. Gotcha. Now, I think this might be intentional because the movie brings a whole bunch of weird random things that are said earlier at the end back around and is like, yeah. hey, all of these made sense if you paid attention, but because we... <laughs> We opened the movie with a seven-minute puke montage. Yeah. You didn't pay attention. So, I don't know. but Or maybe I'm just dumb. It, it, my first watch, I was like, uh-oh. That's not good. <laughs> That's not good. That's why, really bad. Why is she calling her that? White girl is willing to break out with Cyclona, but Cyclona needs to take her medicine. Yes. she, Which apparently she has a lot of. Yes. Which she does not like taking. White girl gets a call from her lawyer, who is working on appeals and is also making plans to fuck Crystal afterwards. Yes, and is in the middle of a threesome at the time that he's calling. Yes. White girl has decided to bounce, though. She has decided to get the fuck out of Dodge. Have Mm. you ever escaped from prison? (laughs) Uh, I'd have to be in a prison first. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's get you into a prison. Mm. Let's break you into a prison. Okay. I've heard Uh, that that's easier. I'm sure. Yeah. And then let's see if you can break out. I'll okay. help you with getting in. Okay, I appreciate You're on your that. own for getting out. I'm on my... So you'll help me with the thing that's famously easier than the thing that I'll have to be alone for. Sure. I don't okay. know if it's famously easier. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't have a star on the Walk of Fame. <laughs> every, every Breaking movie, into prison. Every movie where someone's like... There's there's all these movies We're not talking about like, movies. We're talking about oh, real man, life. Oh, man, we're going to... We're, you all want people not to break out, but you never thought about someone breaking in. That's like the cliche. Okay, well, we're talking about real life, not a movie. Oh, darn it. I don't know anything about that. Well. <laughs> I only know about movies. Guess you better learn, bitch, because you already committed. <laughs> Damn it. I shouldn't I shouldn't have signed that contract right before we filmed this episode. White Girl and Cyclona escape pretty easily. Mm-hmm. They just cut a hole in the fence with some uh, wire cutters they got somewhere. Right. Now, does this did this bother you? It's like, where'd they get the wire cutters? Or did you just not give a shit? I did not give a shit. I did not all. give a shit either. Yeah. I was like, okay, get the fuck out of prison. <laughs> I was like, yeah, 
I've seen so many prison break scenes in so many movies at this point. It's like, fuck it. The story has to keep going. Yeah. <laughs> so get out. Yeah. And they did. And I was like, cool. Now the story can continue. Uh, I did write down, uh, if any American actress was going to be our version of female prisoner scorpion i'm glad it's natasha leone <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't have the same badass energy as what's the name of the actress who plays uh meko keiji meko keiji uh meko keiji is a whole different kind of badass from natasha leone but she does yeah. have badass energy of her own and i'm happy with it and it's a very american kind of badass it's a very american very new york kind of hey fuck uh, off <laughs> she is I'm walking here. It's it's hard to <laughs> describe it without... Um, it's very Natasha Leone. Yeah. As they go through the fence, White Girl cuts herself. Mm-hmm. Later, as Cyclone is mending White Girl, we learn White Girl's family is all in jail, and Cyclone's yes. family is all dead. Aw. I wonder if that will come back. Cyclone goes off to find some help, yes. and she goes to a house mm-hmm. occupied by an old man and an old woman mm-hmm. and their grandson. Mm-hmm. The grandson is out working under a car. This is one of my this favorite moments in the movie. So good. <laughs> and a great introduction to who Cyclona really is. Right. As she is walking, he is working under the car, and as she walks past, she just very casually kicks the jack out, and it falls and crushes him. She's literally not even looking at him when she does it. She's, yeah. she's, it's she's just... just Thinking about something else and just casually, it's completely, just like utterly murders this man. Instinct. It's like, just I can kill that person. And I love that. Because the minute he goes out to the car, all of my horror movie like senses are like, okay, he's going to get killed by her or taken hostage or something in order for her to take the car. Uh, at least, if not the house. But instead of like a big Mike Myers sequence of him getting garroted or something like that, it's just that casual. Yeah. It, it's just enough of a subversion of my expectations where I just, I completely lost it. I love that. Yeah, it's fucking hilarious. It's the cross falling on the priest at the beginning of uh, Day of the Beast. That's exactly right, yes. It's, see, when I, I had no clue where the movie was going when I first watched it, so it's like, these characters yes. are introduced. Like, there's a scene mm-hmm. before this where it's like, so I'm like, are they going to take this himbo hostage? Right, right. Are they going to, what's going to happen here? Is he going to be a character? Nope. No. Dead. Absolutely dead. I didn't, I honestly kept not knowing where this movie was going to go until we get to the train. That yeah. was the first moment I was like, okay, I understand now. She goes inside and puts a knife to the old man's neck as he's watching the film Freeway. Right. As a lot of old farmers like to do. Very popular with old farmers. Yeah. Freeway. That's what the Farmer's Almanac is. <laughs> It just tells you when you can watch Freeway on TV. It's, this is a Freeway fanzine. Yeah. <laughs> it's famous Freeway fanzine, Farmer's Almanac. Yep. <laughs> and every, Originally started by Benjamin Franklin. Yeah, that's Bill Richards' Almanac. The biggest fan of of uh, Freeway. He wanted to change his name to Ben Freeway Lanklin. But they were like, no, Ben, you already signed the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, yeah. If you change your name, it doesn't count. Just Yeah, exactly. If you don't, It doesn't count if you change your name. Ben Franklin would love these movies, though. Of course he would. If you were he to bring him to... He was a weird, to... dirty boy. Yeah, he was a dirty boy. He was a dirty boy. Let's make a musical about Ben Franklin called <laughs> Dirty Boy. I'm entirely on board. And it should all be like Latin bossa nova rhythms. <laughs> Sure. Because we'll make him a Latin lover. It'll be like Hamilton. 
she she threatens to drink the old man's blood. Yes. Uh, yes. And then she drags him upstairs. Mm-hmm. Cut to Cyclona going back to get White Girl, mm-hmm. and she brings her to her, the house. White Girl shoots up with penicillin, and then begins... Uh, like horse penicillin, I Horse penicillin, yeah, because yeah. Of, presumably for horses on the farm. Right. But, uh, yeah, they have a big old syringe that she shoots up with. Yes. And then she begins to binge on all the food in the fridge. Now, I will say, again, I know nothing about uh, eating disorders. I don't know... So, for most of this movie, I was like, I feel like I'm being fucked with about this, but I don't know if any of this representation is realistic, cartoonish, what it is. And then there's a moment in this scene where they're arguing because Cyclona keeps hitting on White Girl. Yes. And White Girl finally, like, kind of, it kind of comes to a head in this scene where White Girl's like, could you stop it? Could you stop it with that? Uh, language I'm not going to use shit and they're kind of having a bit of a, a character moment and then Cyclona opens the fridge and is like look at all this food and it cuts to Natasha Leone's face and it has like a guitar going wow and I was like okay I am being fucked with yeah no this is <laughs> there are like again I don't know I can't speak to certain experiences right yeah but I have heard from people who have been in facilities to treat eating disorders mm-hmm that people still indulge in their eating disorders, not indulge, but still practice their eating disorders. Sure. So I wouldn't be surprised if there were things like a communal puke party. Probably, yeah, yeah. But no, it's not like... I don't think bulimic people are like Shaggy and Scooby. It's treated as a combination of, yeah, Shaggy and Scooby-Doo or like uh, drug addicts in movies. Yeah. Like like there's a sort of like... After this whole binge-eating scene... Not going too far forward, but there's a little bit where we cut to her approaching a toilet. We don't actually see the puke this time, but she goes to a toilet and there's this sort of like slow motion reverence to the bit as if you were watching heroin addicts like doing their whole routine of tying themselves off in a movie. And again, it's we'll harp on this the entire time. It's about control. Like even though she's free from the institution, Mm -hmm. she's still cannot control this binging and purging. She cannot control the binging and purging, but also there is an aspect of her indulging in the binging and purging that is her explicitly controlling herself in some way. It's on a subconscious level. Yeah. It's a self-feedback thing where it's like, it represents control, but is also representative of the loss of control. So the scene, the way that it's shot, repres- shows the audience her being like, hey, this is this horrible thing that actually does hurt me, but there is a freedom that I'm experiencing by being able to just do it and yeah. get on with it. Meanwhile, upstairs, Cyclona lights candles and plugs in uh, something she bragged about to White Girl earlier, an antique vibrator that plugs into the wall mm-hmm. and sort of goes onto your hand like a power glove. Yeah, yeah. It looks. And, it honestly looks less like a, a vibrator and more like a, a tool that uh, 80s slasher villain would use. Yeah, I don't even know how else you would... It's like if you... I don't know. It's just a weird thing. I it's tried a to weird look, thing. I tried to do some Google image searches to see if this was what any antique vibrators actually look like. Or if this like. is just something absurd that they made up for the movie. It didn't seem to be common, but I think I found like a precedent for it. Okay. So I, I didn't really question it because... Uh, the history of sex toys is bizarre and crazy. Yes, it is. Yeah. Later, white girl goes upstairs and mm-hmm. finds... Here's... If you weren't getting the vibe of the movie yet... <laughs> 
this this is a nice this is a nice splash of cold water where yeah. you can decide if the movie is for you or not. Nice splash of cold blood. She goes upstairs and finds Cyclona in a bedroom that is absolutely covered in blood. The corpses of the old people are in bed, and we hear the buzzing of the vibrator. Mm-hmm. Really seems like she was molesting these corpses. It definitely seems like that's yeah. what she was doing. And it 100% seems like that was what she was doing. And there's a, you know, in retrospect, it's fucking insane because she comes out <laughs> and white girl is understandably upset. Yeah. Understandably upset about what's going on. She's a little miffed. And Cyclona is still like, no, I didn't do it. <laughs> Cyclona has this repeated thing whenever she in, inflicts violence on anyone. She always gives the excuse, they were going to rape me. Yes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so Cyclona is is uh, half naked, covered in blood. And again... It's not really sexual. Like It's, it's not... not framed as sexual. The camera does not ogle her in any way. Uh, she's not moving in an especially sexual way. And again, she's just... It's very. It's, it's shot in a very matter-of-fact way. I think the director is also banking on us finding her so morally repugnant. Sure. Because she was just fucking some corpses. Mm-hmm. That were like, okay, even though she's nude, I'm not into this. I think it's a Michael Haneke funny games thing where it's like, if you're still turned on, maybe there's something wrong with you. Sure. (laughs) As terrible as Cyclona is, Mm -hmm. we have to remember how much of a product of abuse she is. Yes. And of mental health issues. Because Mm -hmm. Cyclona tells her, tells white girl how hard it is with the voices that follow her around, Mm -hmm. telling her she's a dirty slut and there's cancer in her bones. Mm -hmm. And again, this actress is giving 110%. Maybe she didn't win any awards for you but she's like oh she's giving it her mania is palpable yeah and we get an exchange i love white girl says you're a goddamn serial killer and (laughs) and cyclona says i don't need to be called names right now white girl (laughs) there are some great lines in this movie yeah, and a, very quotable, very quotable. And again, what what will not come through in this is the vibe and the tenor of this and the performances. Like it's yeah, it's we can't get it across in audio. It's uh, and we keep telling you guys watch these movies. Yeah, <laughs> this when, one is on Tubi currently. It is yes. So occasionally you will see some commercials, which I found way more offensive than the movie itself. <laughs> but you know. Uh, capitalism but they only come every like 20 minutes mm-hmm. it's not bad I love Tubi white girl force, forces Cyclona to take her pills and yes. they're gonna keep traveling together as long as Cy listens to white girl yes Cy- and so Cyclona accuses her of taking a power trip Cyclona goes to get cleaned up white girl sees a news report about her pri- their prison break she also finds out how Cyclona got her life sentence she killed and dismembered her entire family and the cop says they're going to bring him in, dead or alive. The next morning, Cyclona is disguised as a boy. Mm-hmm. The pair get in a car and head well, out, having to... She's disguised as a boy, but she has applied lip gloss, eyeshadow, and filled her eyebrows. Yes. So, not a disguise that's going to work for very long. No, Cyclona isn't... Neither of these people are the brains behind this operation. <laughs> it's sort of like a mice and men. If... <laughs> If George were also, like, half Lenny, 
Oh my god. Famous exploitation novel of, of mice, mice and men. men. Yeah. Hey, Curly has that glove filled with Vaseline, so you know. <laughs> but the next morning they get into the car and back up over the corpse. <laughs> and we this... find out in the time between when she did the carjack kill and when uh, Natasha Leone discovered the bodies, Cyclona actually got up underneath the car with oh, the and body fix the and fixed the thing that he was trying to fix and still didn't move the body. And yeah, so they have to back up over the car. So we get to hear Natasha Leone go, Aww, oh, fuck. This effect... <laughs> This effect is so goddamn funny. It's again, this is a John Waters joke. This is oh yeah, absolutely. This I, I the only thing that makes it not a John Waters joke is that at the time when he was making movies this exploitative, he had so little budget. I don't think he could have afforded the fake body. No, no. <laughs> also, cool car. Yeah, cool yeah, car. Yeah. I keep talking about John Waters, but it, it does this feel is, like female trouble a lot. This feels like. Yeah, and it's just that's something to be savored because that has disappeared. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, this was 1999. Mm -hmm. This might be like the last great American exploitation film. Yeah, because and I think what it is, I think the reason that they still exist, they're still made. They do, but they're they're much less high profile than they used to be. It's the problem. I think it's much harder to find them. It's two things. It's one, the internet. Yeah. Now you don't need to watch a 90-minute movie to see something fucked up. True. You can go on the internet and watch a 30-second clip. Right. There's right at 50-50 for that. Yeah. There's yeah. two girls, one cup. Right. Exactly. There's, that was a fucking meme back that in the 2000s. That was an 2000s. actual meme, yes. I, <laughs> there was a popular video of Jessica Alba reacting to two girls, one cup. So it's like... Yeah, that you don't need to watch Divine eat dog shit now. Like, right? You, yeah, you don't the, have to like, yeah, go to go to a movie theater to do that. And the other thing is sort of the democratization of creation, yes. where it's now like everybody can do shit. Right. Where you don't need to be like John Waters is just a fucking weirdo who managed borrowed money to, from his dad to make films. Yeah, he managed to get access to a camera. He knew a lot of weirdos and he was like, "Hey, you and I, we we people, let's go and do put us on screen." But he had to have a lot of ambition, a lot of get up and go to a raise lot. the money and Absolutely. do this and he edited it all himself. Mm-hmm. And it, it's and fighting the Maryland censor board, which is a whole yes. thing. Um so it's now that it's so easy, not that good Things are not still being created, but there's so much. There's so much now. There's so much, and there's so little... Like, again, originally, if you wanted to see a moving picture, you had to go to the moving picture house. That's the way that you saw it. So if there was something there, that's how you saw it. Nowadays, we have these little things in our pockets... We can watch anything whenever we want, no matter what David Lynch tells us. And because of that... All of the things that I have seen, no matter how much things I, how many things I've seen, is just one tiny corner of the napkin compared to all of the things that there are to see. Yes. And so you could have seen just as many things that I have seen and still seen none of the same things that I have seen. So there's much less of this sort of like, there might be just as much exploitation out there as there is now. But there's going to be much less of like people being able to see it, people knowing where to look for it, mm-hmm. people knowing be, being able to have those conversations of like, did you see that fucking weird yeah. movie where they ate the dog turd? Like it, it's it's a whole different world than yes. there used to be. The pair chat. This is a road movie, much like Wild at Heart or Perdita Durango. Yes. Or Natural Born Killers. Yes. 
Don't say yes, you've never seen that. I have not. But I like to be involved in things. True. And so I jumped on that bandwagon, that conversational bandwagon. Cyclona says she loves White Girl mm-hmm. and asks her why she's bulimic. Good question. No, fair question. That's that's a question. The way that she actually asks is like, why are you puking all the time? I could <laughs> never puke. Her and White Girl's response, look, if I knew why girls barfed, I'd be a millionaire. Which is, you know, accurate. Weird way to put it, but, you know, yeah. accurate. I, and I will say, when she tells White Girl that she's in love with her, it's like we see White Girl from Cyclona's perspective. And we see that oh, Cyclona yeah. sees... In Cyclona's eyes, and we've established that Cyclona ha- sees things, here. Cyclona's things. not mentally stable. Cyclona sees White Girl as Brunhilda. Yes. Uh, yes, from she does. The, from the famous operatic cycle, The Ring of Nibblebung. She, she yeah. sees her as the Queen of the Valkyries. That was such a quick thing that it's I was like... so out of nowhere. And like it never comes back. Never, not once. That I didn't even like bother to mention it because it's like, it's so bizarre. It's one of like three different mythological references that are made throughout the movie. But both of the other mythological references that are made later are made... In reference to Grecian mythology, yes, this is a decidedly Norse mythology reference, and yeah. I'm I want to believe that there's some sort of like plan or design that the filmmakers are working with, but for the life of me, I cannot find it in my head. Cannot figure this out. So we learned that White Girl's mother named her after crystal meth. Uh, <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. Cyclona, going back to the bulimia thing, mm-hmm. says that she hates barfing because it reminds her of the first time she blew her dad yes and white girl says blowing your dad is some memorable shit i know i've been there yes this film drops horrible brutal crucial information for these characters Mm -hmm. in casual conversation almost like breadcrumbs that they're leaving behind Ooh. To lead us on the trail of why, why these, why these characters are the way they are. Yes, it that line, and com- I, this again, I said it very seriously. Yeah, because it's because for us, it's holy super shit. fucked up. I'm pulling on the collar of my shirt as we speak. But Natasha Leone delivers it so wryly. It's yeah. almost like like a zinger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. And it's, all it's, of this stuff is very relayed casual. very. Casually, it reminded me a bit of a line from the movie uh, Spaceballs. Tank Girl. Oh, uh, have you seen Tank Girl? No. There's a line in that movie where uh, Laura Petty, another uh, actress from Orange Is the New Black, who plays Tank Girl, Lori Petty. Lori Petty. What did I say? Laura. Laura. Okay. Lori Petty is talking to another character, and she says, "You got to think of it like the first time you got laid. You got to just ask yourself, Daddy, is this right?" And it's sort of, it so it's I don't know it's yeah it's, it's just that sort of just because of the flippancy of it like yeah. you say like the the bad girl because like Tank Girl is is a, very much a bad girl character yeah. with like this sort of just this absolute flippancy mentioning one of the most horrible things that I can think of yeah yeah this is definitely going to be important later on yeah but the way that it's mentioned is again just like sort of adding to the layers of fucked up in this that this movie already has in a very flippant way but it's it's all important because yeah. underneath the sleaze and exploitation it's not like these characters are not just 
doing these things because it's entertaining you. Yeah. They're doing it because they're horribly damaged people. Right. It's made into a cartoon. It's exaggerated. Yes. But, but the persons, traumas they're dealing with are real. Right. But I mean, there, there's a reason why taking a, a much more mainstream thing, Batman. Batman okay. is a very silly thing. Yes. But there's this whole, like, huge fandom around the idea of taking Batman as seriously as possible. Mm -hmm. Now... I think that they are somewhat in the wrong there. I think that Batman should be cartoony because, yeah. like, one of the, the most popular version of Batman consistently to this day is a cartoon. Yeah. Batman the Animated Series. But within that cartoon, within that cartoonish world, they're able to talk about such serious things. I mentioned the Joker and Harley Quinn at the big top of this episode. Harley Quinn was a big deal for people because it talked about toxic her, relationships, toxic relationships, abuse, and stuff like that in a cartoony much more digestible way and by making these characters cartoonish and over the top it allows them that elasticity to talk about much more problematic issues that were if they to take them entirely seriously would be so serious and so depressing that the movie would cease to be entertainment yeah and would become much more difficult to sit through absolutely i think that's at least the theory they're working with clearly a lot of people still didn't like this movie <laughs> no no because it is if you don't like this movie, that is... That's you. That's fine. Yeah, that's it, fine. It's, but that, I can that's understand... The, that's the theory that they're going with for the movie. Yeah, that's that's my theory for the movie. That's what I hope the movie is and Yeah, not. I think so. I think so, because I think that the, the end result is if, if you have any idea in your head at the beginning when, when White Girl is going to prison, if you have any idea in your head that she maybe deserves this, yeah. maybe you agree with the judge that, that uh, hey, they were the guys were just out for a good time. Prostitution is one thing. Robbing people you're trying to prostitute to is another. Right. At the end of the... At, at, by this point in the film, and especially by the end, you are given more of a sense of, like... You may have had the thought earlier on, like, she should be more respectful or she shouldn't be so mean. And at this point, and especially at the end, you get the sense of, why should she? Yeah. Why? What has ever shown her that she would ever have any respect if she showed anybody else respect? Yeah. Nothing. Doesn't excuse white girls' casual racism. No. Uh, doesn't at all. Which crops up occasionally, and I don't bring up because I'm going to say the word that she uses. Like I said, we, she yeah, uh, she consistently uses outdated terminology for both Cyclona's uh, race as well as her uh, sexual orientation. Yes. Both of which we've been avoiding saying because we just don't want to use those words. Yeah. Yeah. But it's there, and you should be aware of it. Sai <laughs> also mentions that during this incident, she saw bright lights and a flying saucer, mm -hmm. but Sister Gomez came and made them all go away. Yes, the aliens were there when the abuse was taking place. Now, Cyclona begins huffing paint. Yes, she does. And I am... Sp specifically because, she says, because White Girl took all the uh, food and booze for herself. Yes. So what's she going to do? White Girl has all the beer. So what's Cyclona got left? She's got to huff, huff paint. paint. Yeah, and I'm sorry... Uh, inhalant abuse is very serious. Yes. Huffing paint is the funniest fucking image to me. Like, it's just... <laughs> it's so... Yeah. Trashy and terrible mm -hmm. that it's just fucking hilarious to me. Um, again, 
much less funny in real life. Oh, way, way less funny. But yeah. But the only two examples I can I can mention of people huffing stuff like this in movies is this and Lloyd Bridges an airplane. So clearly, much more okay to make fun of stuff like this in movies. Up yeah. There, the powers of P have decided than uh, other things. There are other things you can do than huff paint. Billy, name ten. <laughs> other things you can do than huff paint. Uh, you can uh, use that paint to paint a school that needs to be painted. Uh, you can uh, run a marathon. Uh, you can uh, eat turkey. You can uh, take a dance class. You can drink tea. You can uh, uh, make popcorn. You can use that popcorn to make garlands. You can decorate a Christmas tree. Uh, you could decorate a Christmas tree when it's not Christmas. You could record a podcast. I like that you were struggling through half of that. Yeah. And the only objective was, what else can you do aside from huff paint? <laughs> well, it's like, and then you just mined this Christmas thing <laughs> as much as you could. Let's you found an easy answer. And you just... Well, it's like... Imagine what... if we were in front of an elementary school doing this podcast. <laughs> And I was like, okay, kids, your friend Billy's going to tell you t uh, just ten things out of a galaxy, an entire fucking universe that you can do aside from huff paint. I... And Billy's like, uh, well, it's... I guess if you have a Rubik's Cube, you can do the Rubik's Cube. It's like when people tell you not to think about a brown bear. All you can like think about is a brown bear. Okay, all, I have a feeling all you think about is huffing paint a lot. <laughs> that's that's not a, that's not a goatee. That's a ring of paint around your mouth. <laughs> you caught me. Uh, I will say that while she's talking about the aliens watching her during her sexual abuse as a child. They play an aliens-like sound effect. Yeah, and it's the same sound effect that they used for the background noise on the uh, main menu of my Bible Man DVD collection. Cool. Which was a weird connection. That I'm sure brought back a lot of sense memory. Yeah, a lot of sense memory. Of like so now Bible Man is forever tied. This is it's like the scene in the Clockwork Orange that ruined Singing in the Rain for people. Yeah, this is now the same correlation between this and Bible oh, Man. Oh, now you can't me. watch Bible Man, which now you I did every single day as your devotional. As I was huffing paint. Yes, yeah. I every every day, every morning, I would huff paint and watch Bible Man. If there are two things, it's if there are three things you're devoted to. Three things. One. Yes. Bible man, which is the vessel for your faith in Jesus Christ. Right. Yes. Two, your wife Kaylee. Yes. Three, huff and paint. Exactly. Yes. Those are the three most important things in my life. I, you know, I snoop around your apartment a lot. Yes. I've been meaning to talk to you about that. Well, we don't need to have that conversation because I'm just going to keep doing it. Oh, okay. I'll just get better at hiding it. Fair enough. Fair I'll enough. I'll throw I, a blanket would, over myself. I would appreciate if you would get better at hiding it. So, yeah, that would be nice. Thank okay. You. I'll stop going, <laughs> as I move about your apartment. But I, even though now I'll look more like a ghost because I have the blanket over me. Yeah, I think that actually you should keep that, but put the blanket on it. So at Okay, least so it, it's more like so a ghost. So it's more like a ghost. Do you want me to be like a Victorian ghost? Or it's like... 
Ooh, I have tuberculosis. <laughs> yes, I would enjoy okay. that. I I love that. But yes. I looked at your I looked at your day planner, right? Which you have filled out for the next six years. Of course, I'm very famously good at planning ahead. Me, you are a visionary. You have a plan. Yes. for your life. Yes, but every day I am a genius. It's pray. Yes, love my wife. Yes, huff paint and by and Biblimen. Well, that's that's part of prayer. Yes, yes. Every act should be a prayer. Sure. Madonna. <laughs> but they are briefly tailed by a cop. Yes. And who comes alongside them. Yes. And again, Cyclona is a murderer and a necrophile. Mm-hmm. And uh, white girls no great shakes. Yes. Still, we're like, I don't want these two to be caught. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're... Right, yeah. Because, it, I mean, at least they're not cops. This is their Thelma and Louise. This is... Yes. Absolutely. This is exploitation, Thelma and Louise. Cyclona gets so scared, she pisses herself. Mm-hmm. They stop, and Cyclona is crying. She's embarrassed. And White Girl is trying to reassure. Sometimes when people play for high stakes, they piss their pants. Absolutely. And Absolutely. this is such a sweet scene. It is. <laughs> it's amazingly sweet for this movie. Weirdly, the for, for again, it's an exploitation film. The best parts of the movie for me... Uh, aside from when uh, Cyclona killed that guy with a jack, <laughs> are whenever they just have like little, or in the little moments between these two actors, because these two actors have such great chemistry. They do. And whenever they there's like these mo- little moments of genuine connection between the two of them, make the entire film for them. Oh, absolutely. They're the best parts where there's actual yeah. heart. And it's, mm-hmm. it's not that this movie needs more heart, it's that... It, the heart that comes through is so important for these characters. And it helps to bring you through some of the more rougher things yeah. that happen in the film. Because their their relationship is very much... Cyclona is obsessed with White Girl. Mm-hmm. And White Girl is just like, I don't want to go back to prison. Yes. And but I there, have to take care of this mentally unstable person. There is some genuine affection no, from absolutely. White Girl for Cyclona Which as it goes scene. on. As yeah. we see in the scene, yes. They get back on the road, and White Girl mm-hmm. mentions the TV report, and we get my very favorite lines in the movie. Mm-hmm. How come you never mentioned those people you killed just happened to be your family? <laughs> and Cyclona says, because I like being popular. That is, that is a good exchange. That is the, that's the line when I first saw this movie that I fucking fell in love. I was mm-hmm. like, I can't go back. That's, <laughs> that's I can't. Fucking hilarious. I can't be the same person I was when I came into this movie. <laughs> I can't be like, oh, no, I don't like this movie. I have, mm-hmm. like, just for that. Just for that line. Asai talks more about her brutal childhood yes. and huffs more paint. Yes. And then White Girl makes a decision. Mm-hmm. And she starts to huff paint as yes. she drives. She's like, okay. And then immediately backfires. Just instantly. You ever huff paint and drove? Uh, I, I, I have not huffed paint while driving, yeah, but I have huffed paint. You know, you know, you get those moments where like you're you got out of bed a little bit late, yeah, and you're like, oh, you're you're running a little bit late, so you're like, you're 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 throwing back breakfast. You have to huff your paint like yeah. on the way out the door. Yeah. I've definitely cut it very close, like huffed paint right as I was yeah. getting into the car, but never huffed paint while, while driving. driving. Very important rule. Bible man would never would would not appreciate me doing that while driving, but I've definitely cut it pretty close. Gotcha. I, as you know, yes, I did stunt driving on the television show Knight Rider. Of course, yes. And so, like, that's such a high-pressure situation. David Hasselhoff is there. Right there. 
And, like, you got to fucking nail these turns. Absolutely. So just to take the edge off, mm-hmm. I'd huff some paint. Of course. And you know what? Uh, the car didn't actually talk. Lord knows. At least it didn't talk to me. At least it didn't talk to me. You know like, how these stars are. Yeah. Yeah. They're a little bit standoffish. They don't They don't really communicate with the no. little people that got them where they are. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Much like tiptoes. Much like tiptoes. <laughs> And then White Girl makes another choice to take this very old and very large car mm-hmm. off-roading, and yes. it immediately breaks down. Yes. They get out of the car. They're rolling around. They're in hysterics. They fall down this hill. They roll down the grass, and there's more bonding shit where they're both just... This is my favorite bit between them, where the two, the two of them are absolutely just in the middle of absolutely high giggle fits at the bottom of this, in, in the middle of this hill, and Natasha Leone says, well, we have two options. We can go, go up, up the, the hill, hill or, or down the hill. hill. And they're both, and I'm I'm not doing it justice, but the way that she says that, and the way that they're interacting in this scene, which seems mostly improvised, is so sweet. It's so endearing. While also being incredibly filthy. Oh, yeah. Every word that comes out of these women's every, mouth Every is, other word other than up the hill or down the hill is... It's like... Where's the spray paint can? Oh, it was in my pussy. Yeah, exactly. It's just... It's, it's a great It's a great moment. It's just... It's it, very cute. It's very cute. It is. Much like our next scene where we see light, white girl's lawyer, Mr. Butts, getting a hand job from his client at the courthouse. <laughs> and even when two cops approach him... They just this, continue. They just continue. Yeah. Again, David Allen Greer was on in Living Color. He's also in the movie McHale's Navy. Oh, the Kelsey Grammer film. That was down Periscope. Oh. Two two naval-themed comedies came out around the same time. Oh, okay. One was down Periscope uh-huh. with Kelsey Grammer, where he had come aboard tattooed on his penis. Great. And the other was McHale's Navy with Tom Arnold and That's Bruce Campbell in a supporting role. Right. I do want to point out, though, that David Allen Greer is getting a hand job from one of his clients... So clearly, like, there's a power imbalance here. There's a whole bunch of messed up shit yeah. going on here. The movie still takes his side over the two cops because of how they railroaded uh, Crystal yeah. into prison. And also, they're uh, cops. much much like in a John Waters movie. Every character is filthy and horrible, oh, yeah. but there are some things that are way worse than others. And being dishonest <laughs> is the worst sin of all. Is it being dishonest or is it being a cop? Being a cop would be considered being a hypocrite. Okay. So that's that. it's the same thing. It's all part of the same shit. But the cops tell the lawyer, Butts, that Cyclona has not just killed her entire family, <laughs> Butts. but everyone she's ever been with. Every, everyone she's ever been close to. Yeah. Yes. Next, the pair hop a train and meet a crack-smoking boxcar hobo. To this hobo, they officially, taking on the personas of, of the characters that they are going to play, they officially name themselves Hansel and Gretel. Yes. White Girl jokingly says that as a sarcastic response. Right. But that's and again, officially Cy- calling attention to the story this movie is based around. True. Yeah. And Cyclona is, again, masquerading as a boy child. As, as a boy, yes. Who is the most influential boxcar hobo in your life? Oh my god, in my in my real life, not yeah. movies. Okay, in my real life, I think you would have to take that d- title. Okay. You're probably the most influential boxcar hobo well, in my life. Well, that's... We do a weekly show. We do do a weekly show. Yeah. You come, you get me from the boxcar. I, I have to I always you up make from sh- the boxcar every day. It's really, it's really <laughs> inconvenient for me. I know it's inconvenient. <laughs> no, shut the fuck up. 
Shut the fuck up with your laughter. I'm sorry. Yes. I'm sorry. Listen, very serious. I understand that you have to come get me from the rail yard. Yes. Or whatever hill I jump down when we're slowing down because we're coming to a, to a town. Right. Yes. But I have to map out this train schedule so I can be in town every week according to your work schedule. Right. Not yeah. the schedule of the trains, mind you. Yes. According to my work schedule. I get it. I have stuff I have to do, too. Right. Yeah, I have yeah, to yeah. ride the rails. <laughs> yes, you do. I have to sing my tales. You have to sing your tales. I got my uh, gunny sack. Yes. I got my bendel. Yes. Two separate things you have to keep an eye on. Yeah. At all, tra- at all times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You don't know what it's like. Uh, I don't smoke crack, though. Good Good for you. So I'm not like this boxcar hobo. Okay. He tries to sell them the crack. Yes. In exchange for sexual intimidation. Sure. Uh, which uh, just becomes sexual intimidation. Right. Even exchange. Even exchange. And Cyclona, doing what she do, does best, mm-hmm. stabs the shit out of him. Stabs the shit out of him. Really, really goes to town on this fella. Uh, also, the actor who played this part was the official voice in the 90s, and therefore my childhood, of the demon Etrigan. Very memorable in this only, like, a couple handful of lines this scene. just weird. Just like it's, weird. Again, weird ink. Is, the, the voice he chooses to go for, for this character, is like... It, it's like if Yosemite Sam was a crack-smoking He's playing character. like an SNL character. Yeah. It's like, this is like... This is, <laughs> yes. This is, this is every week. Every week you got the sexual... Hey, you want some crack? We got the sexual intimidating, crack smoking boxcar hobo. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh no, like, George Clooney's on the train this week. <laughs> oh, oh no! no. Oh no! Here, here comes Will Ferrell. <laughs> or no, it it, it would have been Chris Kattan. Chris Kattan would have played the crack bar, uh, the the crack smoking hobo. Probably like, would yeah. just played him like Mr. Peepers. Yeah, exactly. And he'd have a big crack rock, and he'd do it like They're the big, apple with Mr. Big, Peepers. Um, and then so, they have the special episode where he meets the you can put your weed in there guy. So after this guy gets stabbed, these girls are genuinely affected. Like they are, mm-hmm. like this is, it's it's weird mm-hmm. because of this character, but these girls have like a little breakdown. They were like, we were almost raped. Yeah. And again, someone just died. Yeah. And it, it, this is the only murder, by the way, that Tyclona commits that white girl fully signs off on for yeah. obvious reasons there was an immediate danger of harm but that is that is significant because she will continue to uh, rag on Cyclona for her murders later on yeah. in the film but uh, this is the one that she's that she's okay with yep they go through his stuff and find two guns, which they've been trying to find guns the entire movie. And I love this bit where they're like, it's a good thing he didn't come at with the, us with these. <laughs> like, yeah, good thing he was so stupid. And that's the only explanation we give for why he didn't come at them with the two guns he had. And that's all, really, that's all we need. Yeah, that's, I'm satisfied. I'm fully satisfied I'm, with that. Yeah, it's but like, it's just funny. He was smoking crack. He was smoking crack. I've never smoked crack, but no. I don't... I haven't associated heard, with the best judgment. I haven't heard that it improves your intelligence. It is true. Well, the only way to judge this <laughs> podcast special, right? He's going to smoke some crack, and he's going to take the SATs <laughs> live on tape. You heard it here first in a very special episode. Of in a, a very times. special we're, episode, you know, followed up by the episodes where we treat Billy's crack addiction. <laughs> we've, been, we've been wondering what we were going to do and for, tutor him for the SATs. <laughs> we 
you were wondering what we were going to do for podcast sweeps week. Yeah. So this is a good. This is very very timely. We're gonna have your good friend Cindy Lopper come. <laughs> She's going to just tell you how you've destroyed her life with your crack addiction. My good personal friend, Cindy Lauper. I have a Christmas card right here. Right here. From Dr. Cindy Lauper. From Dr. Cindy Lauper. I'm sure someone has given her an honorary doctorate. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And there's going to be a song sung by your personal friend, David Hasselhoff. Yes. A duet with Kit. Mm Mm-hmm. Who you'll finally get to hear talk to you. Yeah. Well, I've heard him talk not to me i've yeah, watched not the television you. show yeah you've watched the show and i've gone like i did that i yeah. i backed that car into that spot right exactly but then uh, once but they, they they also find the big bag of crack that he was yes. trying to sell them and we get one of the my best, second favorite line in the movie one of the best lines in cinema history oh yes oh yes oh yes indeed i believe we have some crack cocaine performed the, by natasha leone the only actress for probably who could ever pull that line and off again, so like, well you are not crazy about the acting in this film but even it's though just it is not, not super realistic, as well, all. no, it's yeah. not technically. Perfect. They're not using the Meisner technique. No, really. no, no. <laughs> they didn't use the Suzuki method to warm up before. No. but it's good. It's doing what it's supposed to do. It is doing what it's supposed it to do. It is getting you where they want you to go. And I will say, like, I wrote some notes in here, and like, that's kind of the reason why I mention, uh, like, uh, the acting being a little bit weak. But as we're talking about it, as I'm thinking about the movie in retrospect, there are a lot more moments in these performances that worked for me than didn't. Yeah, it's because... But, like, I, when I'm looking for stuff to make notes about, when acting doesn't work is something that's easier to point out in your notes than it is when acting does work. Especially when you're stopping and starting a movie and you're not just... yeah. Going with the vibe. Right. But I will say, like, I did write that down. Like, yes, oh, yes, indeed. I believe we have some crack cocaine. It's just, it's so good. She has this, Natasha Leone, if you've never heard her, has this great husky voice. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it's so funny. It's great. Later, white girl is sleeping next to Cyclona, and Mm -hmm. Cyclona admits that if another man had put his hands on her, she wouldn't have been able to stand it. Yes. The train stops, and Cyclona brutally stabs a... Some sort of railroad rail yard bull, just to get some soup for a white girl. Yeah, yeah, just get a nice little bit of soup. And she and there is blood on the soup. There, <laughs> well, had... there's blood in her hands, which yeah. white girl sees. And again, like we said, uh, she gives the excuse he was, was trying rape to rape me. her. Yeah, which, which is we see that scene and know he was not going to. No, yeah, and that's not something. I'm crazy about in this film, like mm-hmm. lying about the sexual assault, which there are a couple of things that are legitimately like problems. Yeah. Uh, like I'm not from a character writing standpoint, I don't have a problem with certain problematic things that the characters do. Like for instance, white girls, consistent racism and homophobia. Yeah. I don't necessarily have a problem with that because that's a character thing. It's a character choice. That your character does not necessarily have to be as pure as the driven snow for me to like them. The things that bother me on a metatextual level about this film, if I were to nitpick, are, yes, the fact that we have a character who is always lying about rape threats in order to get away with crimes. And, which is, you know, problematic for reasons. And the other thing being that, hey... The only not white prisoner at the prison that we had earlier uh, is the one who is consistently shown to be 
a crazy psychopath killer. Yes. Uh, like the most violence, the most not necessarily sexualized because again, like there, the sexualization in this movie is actually fairly minor uh, compared to a lot of exploitation films, but definitely the one that is like shown without her clothes the yeah. most. Uh, and it's, that is like something I'm sure the filmmakers weren't exactly thinking about. No. They were probably thinking, Hey, it would be cool to have this character be not white because that, and have her have history in Mexico so that we can have a reason for them to travel to Mexico. Uh, But those are things that if I were to say, hey, that is actually a problem with this movie, instead of just a choice that they're making, those are the things I would pick out. Also, the fact that Vincent Gallo is in it, but we'll get there. Yes. Um, I want to point out something. This episode has a lot of, like, dead air so that it'll get chopped down a bit. Yeah, 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 we'll be fine. But we're only halfway through this movie. (laughs) Are we really? Yes. It feels so like much we're shit over halfway. Yeah. So much shit happens, and then it gets slower in the back half. Yes. But it still feels quick. Like, this is a 90 or 97-minute movie. Honestly, uh, I felt like the back half felt way quicker than the first half for it, me. I, I find it all a pretty watchable experience, but... It does, I will say that this is around this time is when I checked the runtime because I felt like I'd only been watching it for 20 minutes. Yeah, it's... And I was like, how much longer is this going? And then I realized, oh, I'm over halfway through. So much shit has happened and in Mm -hmm. such a short amount of time and it's all been goddamn ludicrous. I wrote down a note at this point and nothing to do with the plot, but I was looking up behind the scenes stuff while watching the movie. Another producer on this film, uh, famous exploitation maestro, Charles Band. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was one of the producers of the film, uh, so the film was partially uh, released through Full Moon Entertainment. And uh, I wrote down, that surprises me, because there are no weird horror puppets in this movie, which mm. he usually insists on putting in the films he's attached to. You know what Charles Band does? What? He makes Charles dance. What? <laughs> Actor Charles Dance. Oh, okay. Because he dances to the music of the band. Oh, okay. It's really clever. Like, it's an Oscar <laughs> Wilde thing. That's why you didn't get it. That's why I didn't get it. Because of all the paint I've it been huffing. It was so fucking pithy. Because of all the paint I've been huffing, I don't appreciate the, the Oscar Wildness of your jokes. You... You're the Oscar Wildest. Be before uh, Oscar Wilde thing. You make my Oscar heart sing. <laughs> You make Oscar everything groovy. Before we started recording, yeah. you took a long hit long of pain. Long hit. And you looked me dead in the eye and you said, What the fuck is the picture of Dorian Gray? Those are my exact words. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, as I just went, What the fuck is the picture of Dorian Gray? Yeah, yeah. I was like, I don't. <laughs> it's like, I don't have time for your bullshit I don't right really... now, Billy. <sighs> Cindy Lopper's going to be here any minute. <laughs> She's already angry at you. <laughs> she bought me no presents this year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, next we see the pairs have been... Here's the thing mm-hmm. in this movie is it's not especially great about establishing passage of time. No. But it in any other movie, it would bother the fuck out of me. Here, I'm just like... It didn't bother me at all. Okay, they've clearly been on the rails a while. On the rails for a while. They, they do they that are... thing where they like they they keep cutting within what appears to be the same shot to show you that a lot of time is passing. But they're out of food, mm-hmm. and they have nothing to drink but whiskey. 
And Cyclona hates the taste of whiskey. At she this says point. it sounds like someone it feels like someone shit in her mouth, she says. And this is so fucked up and hilarious and mm-hmm. sad and yeah. fucked up and I love it. Like it's yeah. just you're not a drinker. No. So I'm not. you don't But I I have experienced uh the waking up in the morning after being really hammered feeling. Gotcha. And it does feel like someone shat in your mouth. And also, you've, you've tasted whiskey. Oh, yes, I have. And you know it's not exactly a thirst-quenching drink. No, not even remotely. They should not make a remotely. sport whiskey a sp- with electrolytes. <laughs> the train stops and White Girl wants to get off, but Side mm-hmm. doesn't, saying she had a vision of Sister Gomez telling mm-hmm. her they need to stay on the train. Yes. She's worried they won't be able to find their way back. So in one of the more overt Hansel and Gretel references, white girl leaves a trail of crack rocks. Oh my God. Going from the train. Another great line. Which is so funny. It's, 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 it's fucking hilarious. It's, it's practically so a Mel Brooks funny. joke. It, practically, yes. It's so silly. Another great line. Uh, you know those rocks are worth money. We could have sold them to some kids. <laughs> Says Cyclona. Again, perfect John Waters. Like I, and that's I keep a, that's hammering a, on it. That's but a Dimension Twenty joke, is what that is. It's there's not a lot mm-hmm. that gives me the feels that Female Trouble does. Yeah, though, and I female, love Female, female Trouble. Female Trouble is a very singular experience. So anything sure. like just that vibe is so nice to find in another piece of media, mm-hmm. especially from the cursed nineties. <laughs> We're the, right after we get over my uh, addiction to crack cocaine. We're gonna have another very special episode where we deal with how the '90s hurt Brad. Apparently, well, <laughs> between this and the hackers episode, that was most of my childhood. So there's yeah. your explanation. Well, there you go. Never mind. Episode over. We fixed it. Right after the crack cocaine bit comes one of a nu- one of my favorite gags in the movie, where they come across they're trying to drink some water. Hold on. Okay, sorry. White girl, in response to Cyclone saying, hey, we should sell these drugs, white girl's (laughs) like, no, I prefer robbing tricks. (laughs) Sure. You know, fair enough. Fair enough. That's her preference. But yes, they they try to, uh, Cyclone find some water. Yes. And And they they try and drink some of it. Uh, (laughs) But then they're like, oh, no, I think this water is bad. And they look over and see... The fakest dead dog I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. It literally looks like they grabbed a stuffed animal from a local library or something. It looks like the dog from Chris Elliott's brilliant FDR one man show. <laughs> and it's just and it's just lying there like, oh no, the water isn't good. Because <laughs> the dog drank it and he's dead. And then they're like, "Oh, don't worry. We'll drink more of the whiskey. That'll that that'll get rid of it. That'll of the, kill the germs. That'll White kill Girl the says. germs." And it's just it's it's and like again, the one two three punch of just utter and absolute know, absurdity. It's so fucking funny. And again, the tragic wrinkle of all this. I know this wasn't on your mind while you're watching it, but yeah. these are children. Yeah, ostensibly again for the purposes of the story. For the purposes, these of the are story. children, even if they're eighteen or whatever. Right, still fucking children. Still children. Technically an adult. I'm going to say eighteen. You're still a child. I yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, so they try to go I was, back. I think you're probably still a child when you're 20. I was. I went to college, and I I can when or I was in college when I was 20, and I remember the things that I was thinking and saying at the time. I was definitely a, an idiot. Well, let me tell you, brother, that never stops. <laughs> 
you're going to just progress one year to another and be yeah. like, holy shit, I used to be a piece of shit. Right. No, that, no that's, that's, that's absolutely continued. But, uh, but they, the thoughts I had when I was 20 were particularly dumb kid thoughts as opposed to dumb adult yeah, thoughts. Yeah, you're like looking under the bed for monsters. Yeah. Wanting to eat candy all day. Exactly. Um, absolutely. Yeah, you know. Beginning in both sides, believing in both sides-isms. So they try to go back to the train. Yes. To follow the trail of the crack rocks. Yes. But the crack rocks are gone. Yes. Because they have been stolen by two men who... <laughs> Appear to be dressed as like Victorian boogeymen. <laughs> they look like Springheel Jack, and they're just collecting all these crack rocks. Right, and it's just this throwaway joke that's so fucking funny. It's, it's so like fucking weird. Yeah, no, that would happen, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. This is logical. This makes yes. sense. Someone would take those crack rocks, especially at a rail yard. Yes, where I assume there's a lot of transients. Of course. That if if movies have taught me anything, lots of transients around the rail 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 yeah. yard. Uh, you ever listen to hobo songs? Uh, They're like whale songs, like booze. <laughs> no, I've never listened to smokes. <laughs> Went through a brief phase where I listened to hobo songs, like actual, like, uh, right, yeah, <laughs> hobo and union songs. Uh, oh, okay. Now, now, now we're talking about real things again. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get it. There's a great song called Hallelujah, I'm a Bum. Is that real? Yeah. Wow. That sounds amazing. That's, that's a catchy one. Okay. Cyclone is freaking out, and mm-hmm. she makes white girl swear that yes. white girl will kill her before they let her take Cyclone in. Yes, before the cops can get her, she has to kill Cyclona. And as if on cue, they are found by the Border Patrol, because they're right near the border to Mexico. Yes. Uh, two of the Border Cops get out, mm-hmm. and White Girl pulls their drifter gun on them, mm-hmm. and commands Cy to take their guns, which Cy takes one of their guns and demands the cop give her his backup, which he claims he doesn't have. Yes. And she wastes both of them. Yes. In a really brutal cop killing. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Just completely, completely decimates them. Which leads White Girl to grab a big tree branch and beat the shit out of her. White Girl has had enough. Yes. She has... I'm not going to say violence is the answer. No. But she's had a rough time. She has. And she's, she has made it explicit. If there is one rule. Yes. You don't kill people. You don't kill people and, unless they are uh, like actively, actively attacking you yeah. in a train car. It was an unnecessary killing. They could have gotten out of it without <laughs> violence. I'm going to go okay. on record and okay. that's, say that's, that Cyclona was in the wrong. That's your hot take for yep. the day, I guess. Uh, also in the back of the truck that the Border Patrol were driving yes. are three presumably illegal immigrants. Mm-hmm. At least there are three migrants. Who, uh, who see the killing. Yes. There are more cops in the background. Mm-hmm. Cyclona and White Girl flee across the Mexican border to Tijuana. Yes. Just like the first episode of Cowboy Bebop. Sure. They're in Tijuana in that. Oh, that's right. But it's an asteroid called Tijuana. That's right. Yes. And they're trying to get to Mars in that one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Although, I would absolutely go for a Trick Baby 3 that involved uh, White Girl going to Mars. (laughs) 
I would be. White it. girl, they're about to take white girl to prison. Go where only Leprechaun, Hellraiser, and Jason X have gone before and have the Trick Baby franchise go into space. <laughs> well, one, the ideal movie would be Confessions of a Trick Baby meets up with the first freeway. Exactly. And Reese Witherspoon and Natasha Reese Witherspoon Leone and Natasha Leone as just like going to space. Perfect bad girl duo. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, they're about to be taken to jail yes and the only means of escape is onto a space shuttle right yeah yeah because the space shuttle just happens to be right next door to the prison yeah 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 they use they use it's 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 all part of the systemic corruption they've been using prison labor to build their rockets Mm -hmm. because it's not a rocket made by the government it's a rocket made by an evil billionaire who's an obvious stand-in for one of the actual evil billionaires that makes rockets and it's shaped like a penis because they all are Mm -hmm. and they travel well that's aerodynamics and they travel to mars yes and then they fight all the ghosts they have there. And they fight. <laughs> now we get another terrifically fucked up. This might end up being our longest episode ever. Sure. Uh, we get another terrifically fucked up exchange where White mm-hmm. Girl asks Cyclona what she was thinking when she wasted those cops. Mm-hmm. Cyclona says she wasn't thinking. And White Girl doesn't get a chance to say, that's right, you weren't thinking. Yeah. Well, that's actually not how that goes, I guess. But. Whatever. Whatever. Sai says she wasn't thinking she was coming. She must have got off like five or six times. Oh, God. Um, Which Cyclona ties, Cyclona. ties back to the, the scene where we found her half naked with the dead bodies. Yeah. Killing is an overtly sexual act for her. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Cyclona asked White Girl, like, why she, Cyclona, is like that. Mm-hmm. And White Girl says, because she's a piece of shit. Mm, which mm, is something mm. Cyclona has probably heard her entire life. Yeah. And that the voices in her head probably tell her. Oh, a lot. Yeah, definitely. White girl is not a great person. White girl is not a licensed therapist. No. Yeah. Unlike Lucy from Peanuts. Unlike Lucy from Peanuts, who what is you, licensed. What do you think would happen if the the Freeway 2 Confessions of a Trick Baby Girls met the gang from the Peanuts? <laughs> Well, the Peanuts gang wouldn't understand them because they hear all adults as sounding like trombones. Okay. Yeah, so there wouldn't be a lot of communication, which means that there would probably be some sort of wacky misunderstanding, which would involve in all of the Peanuts gang getting killed. Gotcha. Although, the 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 uh, the uh our heroes in this movie famously, later on, do defend children. So maybe yeah. they wouldn't be the ones killing them, but they would still end up dead. Okay. Yeah. And Snoopy would drink bad water and he would also die. Good. Yeah. Finally, the monster is dead. Yeah. Yeah. We're free. Yes. We're free. Yes. Woodstock would survive so that so at least some horror... There'd be a continuity of government. <laughs> <laughs> but at least Snoopy would finally die. If... Since all adults sound like trombones, the peanuts. Yes. I wonder how confusing it would be for those kids to go to like a New Orleans funeral. Mmm, mmm, mmm. Where it's a lot of trombones. Like, There's a lot of adults talking really loud. It all, and I wonder what they would be saying. Mmm. Or like jazz music. Oh, you think that they would hear trombones as language? Yeah. And the other way around. Oh, interesting, interesting. Yeah, I think, well, this is... What we, terrible we satanic to... messages are in that jazz music? <laughs> can you only imagine? Man, the Peanuts can never hear jazz without hearing terrible satanic messages. No. Wow. 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 That's why they never age, because they invoke the Dark Lord's power. 
Right, right. This is this is the the bargain that they made. Yes. In order to maintain their youth. Let's be like eight years old forever. That's yeah. the perfect age. The perfect age. The perfect age. They walk down the street and <laughs> maybe in the most racist thing in the movie, mm-hmm. we see a man oh, gnawing on before, an animal. Before skull. we get that, during the conversation where they're talking about her being a piece of shit, we're also it's also revealed that she took four hundred dollars off of uh, the old people, off of the old people when she killed them, and the reflector for the light keeps moving into the shot. Oh, does multiple it? times. For those who don't know anything about behind the scenes, you not only have to shoot lights at people, you also have these things called reflectors. They're these big reflective sheets. That people have to hold up to make sure the light is bouncing in the right ways to get even light coverage on the actors. And this big wobbly light board keeps wobbling into frame the entire time when they're walking down. How do you know that wasn't a character in the movie who's a Foley artist (laughs) and he was on his way to a Tijuana sound studio to Uh record some thunder? I... (laughs) Uh... You don't. That's true. You I don't. don't That's true. I don't. I shouldn't. call me Judge John Landis because I solve the case. <laughs> that's what judges do, right? They solve the that's, cases. That's what judge. That's what Judge John Landis does, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. The most fair and 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 you know how he solves the case you know by committing the, the crime by uh, getting the helicopter so low oh, that he can really see. Oh God! But yes, we see a dude eating. Gnawing, just gnawing meat off some sort of animal skull. A sheep skull. Is it a sheep skull? A sheep skull, yes. Just <laughs> just right off the skull. And, yeah, this is pretty racist. That's this pretty is, racist. They're That's just, pretty racist. It's such have, a barbaric and yeah. unsettling image. They And they say this as Cyclona is talking about how much she loves Tijuana. And how, like, and now they're free. White girl saying, ah, it's such a shithole. She's like, it's not a shithole. It's amazing. It's free. And then as, she, as she's saying, it's not a shithole, we... The camera specifically points out, hey, here's a guy gnawing on a sheep's skull Which, in the corner. Again, if it were like some drunk or whatever, yeah. it would just be like, oh, that's normal shitty city things. Yeah. This is like barbaric and animalistic. It's 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 definitely making a Mexican joke here. But I, I do have to give a little bit of credit to the actor playing the guy gnawing on the sheep's skull. He's committed. Yeah. He's he's just he's just like gnawing on that like it's he makes gnawing on a sheep's skull seem so normal I almost didn't notice it was there. It's an effective image. Yeah. It just has poor connotations. It's very poor connotations. I wish it wasn't in the movie, but like it's yeah. there. Uh, Cyclona also tells White Girl she doesn't need to barf anymore because she's in control. Right. Right. Again, just like really underlining the aspect of the control. The aspect of control. Again, movie, not subtle. The girls shake down some sailors to get money for a hotel. Mm-hmm. And here, mm-hmm. here the we... The sailors, by the way, are dressed in the most stereotypical, not what anyone wears anymore, sailor uniforms. Yes. Actually, I think that's... They look like they walked right off of a YWC, YW, YMCA music video. I'm sorry, yeah. Village People music video. Village People, yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, I think that's might be what sailors actually wear still. I don't Like their so. dress thing. Um, not like day-to-day, but like... Right. I don't know. Maybe I don't fucking know what it I'm look, talking they about. They looked like characters. It doesn't matter. My point is, they looked like characters that would have been at home in. Uh, uh, it looks like Donald Duck should have been serving alongside him. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Here we get an interesting line. 
mm-hmm. where white girl says that she hasn't been late in two years. Yes. And she says that, and Cyclone is like, well, maybe you'll like some of the guys in well, first, Tijuana. They get to, they get to a hotel. They're able yes. to get a hotel room and they're like, we're get to sleep on a bed for the first time for, for, for the first time in ages. And then they flop on the bed together. And that's when this exchange takes place. Yes. A white girl says she only dates black guys mm-hmm. because they both hate white men, mm-hmm. which makes a lot of sense. I've known some people in real life like this. Yeah, yeah no, it makes sense yeah. because we know that a lot of trauma has been inflicted yeah. on white girl by white men. Yes. And also, and also this more f- further explains the fact that she has a pre-existing nickname before Cyclona of white girl because again she doesn't hang around a lot of circles where a lot of other white people are present it does not seem like it yeah and now the movie probably reaches its apex of sleaze mm-hmm. when uh, Cyclona uh, pulls uh, white girl over and they start making out and then we get a disjointedly edited extremely low energy sex scene yeah, yeah. I it's clear that Natasha Leone was not comfortable doing nudity for the film. Clearly, Otherwise, yeah. I assume that she would be nude during this. Right. She, c- she, is she at least maintains not, a level of clothing throughout the scene. Or at least like strategic blocking of stuff. Yes. Um, whereas yeah. uh, the actress for Cyclona is mm-hmm. fine bearing it all, which is fine. if yeah. she w- As long as she was comfortable doing it. Exactly. Uh, but they shower, they have sex. Mm-hmm. And this just... I don't know how I feel about this scene. This is the thing. So in that earlier scene that I pointed out where they're with her leg, are we going up the hill or down the hill? Um, I legitimately read some sort of like potentially romantic chemistry out of that scene. Okay. And I was like, I wonder if that's where they're going. And I, if, if it goes there, fine, as long as they, they do it well. And, uh, but like, I honestly felt like, Hey, this could work as a, as a relationship for some reason, despite the fact that in that scene, it worked. There's a scene after this where there's a montage of them like running about the town and, yeah. and like, enjoying looking at the sites where they they also work as either either best friends or a couple, whatever you want to call them, yeah. or whatever the film wants them to be. For some reason, in this scene with the actual like consummation of the relationship, I don't buy it, and I don't know what it is. It's not that I don't buy it; mm-hmm. it's that. Um... It feels like it comes out of nowhere for you? Not that it comes out of nowhere. Like, to me, this makes sense, storyline-wise. Like, they've been through a bunch of traumatic shit together. Yeah. Like, they really only have each other, even if a white girl is not necessarily... Like, white girl has been resistant to this the entire time. Yeah. Maybe now, just after the bonding, after the closeness, like, mm-hmm. she wants to be closer... It may like it's not that it doesn't make sense to me. It just feels, which is insane to say about this movie, mm-hmm. gross. Mm-hmm. Because again, part of this movie's trauma and message is that these are children. Mm-hmm. Like, and again, when I was watching the movie, I. I didn't get that because again, I could, they don't come off as kids. No, and I completely forgot but that they were supposed to be kids. But that is what the movie is attempting to convey. Yeah, yeah. So that that just makes it like that pushes the sleaze line to where I'm like, okay, this is much like the false accusations of rape. 
this is pushing the line into something that is socially destructive that is not mm-hmm. necessarily as commonly talked about as like racism. Mm-hmm. When a character in this movie is racist, we know that racism is bad. Yeah. But in other instances we're not necessarily like it 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 more propagates this false belief where it's like, yeah, a lot of women do report false rapes and Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That what sort of what thing. is the negative stereotype that's being conveyed by this moment then? It's not there's not necessarily one for this moment. I'm just saying the sexualization of teens in general? Sort of, yeah. It just okay. feels like... This is where it begins to feel male gazy for me. Because okay. it's two girls kissing. Yeah. Which is, especially in the nine, late 90s, where, mm-hmm. like, part of letting go of homophobia was being like, yeah, girls kissing. That's sure. arty. Um, but it's also, I don't know. And it does get a little, like, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. But in a movie, if I see a character suck a woman's nipple, I'm like, this is incredibly graphic. <laughs> For whatever reason, that is the line. Sure, sure. Where it's like, a lot of movies have nudity. Yeah. Not everyone has like an actual sexual act like that. Yes. Which does happen briefly in this film. So I'm like, okay, again, she is supposed to be a juvenile. And it's like, mm-hmm. I don't... It just... I didn't feel like, even in this moment, that the camera was, like, a very male gazy camera. Again, they, they, like, their bodies are not being really ogled. They, we're just, there are, but there are sexual acts depicted. I, I can understand what you're saying. It's more just, like, here's what's happening. Yeah. We're not going to do, like, it's not like a sex scene in the room. Right. Yeah, it's not like a sex scene in the room. It's not like a sex scene in, um, even, uh, although, in this case, the, the porniness of the way that this scene is shot is, is intentional. Uh, and helps the movie. It's not like the sex scene in um, Spaceballs, Mulholland Drive. Okay, which is like really uh, like the camera is very lovingly showing their bodies and everything. It's very like that. steamy. Very steamy because that's but that that does is because of what the movie's trying to say. I'm not trying to knock Mulholland Drive, but this this scene just seems more like hey, they're having sex, and the part of it that bothered me was more uh, just that. probably just because of the low energy of the scene, it felt to me like the two actresses didn't want to do this. No, I'm sure they were least enthusiastic about this. Yeah. Um, And uh, I don't know. When when there's a scene when two characters are are having sex, if there's going to be a scene like that, at the very least it feels like maybe the scene should communicate that the characters like each other and want to do this yeah and if that actually is is communicated better through like little kisses later and stuff like that right that's communicated later by like the little moments that they have together i'm not i'm just saying it's communicated better yeah that's what i was trying to say did i not say that uh i think we're saying the same thing okay yeah it's communicated better by those moments this scene just kind of seems uh not i don't think it seems ex it doesn't seem exploitative to me it just seems like it's not getting across what it's trying to get across. Here's my problem, and one I want to point out, this is the most anybody has ever argued over the yeah. merits of Freeway 2 Confessions of a Trick Baby. Sure. Let it be marked in the annals of history. <laughs> Let it be marked in the annals, a- uh, the annals of history. I guess, I, I think what my problem, thinking about a little bit more, mm-hmm. is you and me. Mm-hmm. We're smart guys. Sure. We're sophisticated trash mongers. Why not? Excuse me, I have to huff some paint. <laughs> you can go on. 
But there are others out there who are going to watch this movie and be like, oh, yeah, lesbian sexy. You can't control that. No, you can't. You, you can never control that. But it feels like it's this is the part that caters to them. Caters to that. And granted, that's exploitation. To add another... Okay, we've, we've said a lot about this scene, so we're going to move on. But yeah. just before we do that, I want to cut undercut some of our commentary by saying that the review that I watched of this film after watching the film is by another uh, YouTuber who enjoys talking about the extremes of cinema, uh, Diamond yeah. Hagen. And she, as a lesbian who watches a lot of exploitation films, actually found this scene refreshing. Really? Because she finds that a lot of exploitation films like to go right up to the edge of lesbianism in order to curry favor with those kind of people that we were talking about. Gotcha. Very few of them actually go and have a... Uh, as she pointed, put it, a sapphic moment. Interesting. And so she found this scene refreshing and, and enjoyable from that perspective. This so, is... Uh, just because we are two, again, privileged Cicero... Cicero? A heterosis man uh, casting judgment on the scene, I thought it might be nice to bring up a perspective from someone who is very much not us. Sure. That's yeah. always great, but yeah. something we have to remember is that no group is a hegemony. Yeah, no. Which Diamond is why, Hagen does not speak for everyone. No, and which is why I never want to be like, Yeah, I, we have trans friends, we have women friends, sure. we could be like, hey, what do you think about this movie? Yeah. One, that's using them to be like, hey, justify us. Absolutely. Give us, a, give us permission to talk about this. Right. And two, they do not speak for everybody. No, they don't. But at the same time, while we are representing a monolith, I thought it would be nice to just undercut us a no, little bit. Absolutely. So after the sex scene, Cyclona okay. has the super fucked up line. I guess this makes us kind of related now. <laughs> White girl says she used to have uh, the vibrating bed magic fingers things in her bed when she was a child. Yes. Which is another insane fucked up just thing. Just insane. Just insane. Meanwhile... We'll get. I will say we'll get more information about Cyclona's backstory going forward. We never fully get a picture of White Girl. So again... That's why it's ripe for a sequel. It's ripe for a sequel and it has to happen in space. <laughs> it has to. Oh, I was trying to do a Marvel deep pull, but I uh, I couldn't think of a good one. No, I think she's the right character in, to interact with Pip the Troll now that yeah. he's part of the MCU. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, man. Imagine uh, those. Oh. Having Pip the Troll and, and uh, the... <laughs> the original Infinity Watch. <laughs> Pip the Troll. Mm-hmm. Adam Warlock. Right. White Girl. White Girl. I will say the Flash Mar Thompson, the Marvel Comics '80s tie-in comic, '80s era tie-in comic to these movies is something I wish existed. I wish, yeah, because '80s tie-in comics always, no matter what character that they were doing a corporate tie-in for, they would always make sure that that character was indispensably canon to the Marvel Universe. Like Rom? Like Rom, Godzilla, Transformers, G.I. Joe. They're all canon to the to the 80s Marvel oh. Universe. And I want White Girl and Cyclona to have an 80s era Marvel series where they are absolutely meeting Thor and Iron Man and, and Spider-Man and, and fuck, even Godzilla. That'd be fucking amazing. Meanwhile... 
white girl's conviction is overturned by Judge John Landis. Yes. We, I did not understand how the fuck this happened. That they got John Landis to do this part? No. That's, oh. e- that's easy. You call... We could get John Landis for the show if we wanted to. Uh, we're not... We do not want to. Would you allow John Landis in your... in your Into the studio? <laughs> like, I, if he appeared at your doorstep... Uh-huh. And he was all beaten up and he was like, I've just been in a car crash. <laughs> I need help. <laughs> Would you let him it's inside? It's Matthew Broderick. He's after me. Uh... I guess. I guess. No, you wouldn't want. You wouldn't let. I would say no, sir. (laughs) This is called comeuppance. And I would slam the door in his face, Mm -hmm. and I would rest easy that night. I guess that's fair. I guess that's fair. But bizarrely, probably because John. the, The thing I didn't understand was why how her sentence is overturned. The the idea is that the punishment was too severe for the crime. Okay. And so upon appeal, which we don't see because it's that kind of movie. Right, yeah. Why would you want to see that in this movie? It, all that matters is it got overturned. This isn't John Grisham's Freeway 2 Confessions of no. a Trick Baby. You have to get a different movie because <laughs> you have to say the whole title. Yes. You have to get a different DVD for that. Exactly. Yeah. There's this weird thing I noticed, mm-hmm. and it could be because John Landis is not often called upon to act. Yeah. But John Landis seems to be about to laugh during this scene. Like, the entire time, oh, yeah. it's like, I guess these were the best takes. And the other time, he was just like... <laughs> Just cracking up. Oh, absolutely. No, he's 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 not taking this seriously at all, which is, no. you know, fine. Yeah. Go make Birkin hair, you <laughs> dumb bitch. I will, apparently not everyone can be as good of an actor as Rob Reiner whenever he's in his movies. White girl gets a red wig, and the pair have a nice day in TJ. They have another one of my favorite moments in the movie. Just a cute montage of them yeah. running around. White, one of the funniest parts, white girl finds a statue and buries her crotch in its face. Yeah, and has a great. tourist take a picture. Yeah, has a tourist take a picture. It was awesome. Uh, they see a poster advertising Sister Sister Gomez. She's mm-hmm. right there in Tijuana. And meanwhile, one of the, Sister Gomez... Well, I'll get to it when she shows well, up. Well, when she shows up, we'll finally address Sister Gomez. Yes. Meanwhile, one of the illegals who saw the brutal cop killing mm-hmm. tips off the cops where they are. I'm assuming in exchange for some kind of uh, plea bargain deal. Yes. Uh, and now Cyclona and White Girl go to visit Sister Gomez, mm-hmm. who is played by Vincent Gallo. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about Sister Gomez. Do you want me to handle it? Um, I'll at least mention who Vincent Gallo is. Sure. I did some research. Sure. Talk about why you hate Vincent Gallo. Because I wanted Gallo. to make sure I knew I remembered who he was so I could accurately talk about what a shit heel this guy is. Vincent Gallo, at the time this movie was made, was a big deal in the art house scene. He had made a movie, I believe, called Buffalo 66. Yes. Which starred a young Christina Ricci, I believe. I'm not certain about that. But uh, it was a big deal in the art house circuit. He followed this up with a movie called Brown Bunny. Which was after this was filmed. Which was after this was filmed. Uh, But uh, Brown Bunny is another movie that follows basically the same arc as Buffalo 66. Okay. But features essentially a lot of handheld footage of Vincent Gallo 
just kind of wandering around, driving about, doing mm. nothing. And then at the end, he gets an unsimulated blowjob. Right, I remember hearing from, about this. From uh, the real actress who was in the movie. The blowjob serves no plot relevant uh, anything to the mm. movie uh, and has been uploaded free of the movie it's from onto a lot of porn sites out there, but that that's nothing really because a lot of sex scenes from movies are done that people do that with. Uh, the thing that's really irritating to me about this, because we've mentioned other movies that have unsimulated sex in them before, yes. is how exploitative it is how completely unnecessary to the movie it was, how he used that scene as advertising for the film. Yeah. Despite how many cuts the movie went through, never uh, removed it from there. The fact that Vincent Gallo in real life is a eugenicist. Is he? A Trump supporter. Oh. Uh, Anti-Semite. Hmm. Racist. Hmm. Uh, conservative. Getting a little worried. Utter piece of Nazi shit. Uh, who mm. does not deserve to breathe air. And I, I, every time he was in this movie, no matter what the content of the scene was, and honestly, even without his presence, Sister Gomez is a problem. But uh, Yeah, if it were any other actor, yeah. or maybe even actress, it's, it's, it's hard to say. It's hard to say, but... Uh, Vincent Gallo on his own, being in this movie, I found more offensive than any of the actual things that he put in this movie to offend me. It was more offensive than having John Landis there. It was more offensive to me than having John Landis there. The man who is responsible for at least three deaths. Right. And God knows how many Americans he turned into werewolves. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just to make a horror film. Or women he turned into deer. Uh, but yeah, so I am just... Uh, I don't like John. I don't like Vincent Gallo. Okay. Yeah, but uh, let's talk about the character he played in the movie. No, we're we're gonna front load this. We talked about this before. Mm -hmm. Sister Gomez is later revealed to be white girl calls for a man. There's a gigantic fake penis coming out from under their dress. Yes, we're gonna refer to them as a they. Yes, we 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 discussed this last night. We're this made is. This decision. Again, since Billy and I are cishet men, yes. this is not our place to make a ruling. No. And again, we I have trans friends, you have trans friends. Mm -hmm. I could go to one of them and be like, hey, is this offensive? That's a cop-out. That is not... We're not or not even that. offensive is this... Are they an actual trans person? Right. Like, it's the silence of the lambs thing is... It's, it's the... Uh, I would say it's more... The connection I was more drawing because of the comedic nature of this film Ace and Ventura. Ace Ventura, a movie that I have unironically loved most of my life, yeah, uh, but is um, a big problem. Yeah, it is. It is not. It, it's, and this is a plot device that has been used in film for a long time. We just mentioned a whole handful of very respected movies. Yeah, so it's. We're going to refer to Sister Gomez as a they. Mm -hmm. and we're the movie just going does to... not give the character a chance to identify what they would like to be referred to as. It's, it's it, yeah, there's that, and it's also like, yeah. Yeah. It's, we're just going to call them a they. Mm -hmm. This is 
the worst part, the worst aspect of the movie. I would agree. Uh, but also, terribly, it freezes in amber, m- along with a lot of other movies, Ace Ventura, yes. Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, oh, where yes. it's like <sighs> transphobia and the idea of... Of a trans person being an inherently bad and uh, psychotic and yeah. psychotic thing about a person to have like when the tr- when the trans the potentially trans element is introduced into the film is introduced after a whole bunch of other uh, crazy shit is introduced and it's basically supposed to be like a if you didn't think she was fucked up before or they were fucked up before wait do you hear this kind of thing. And I'm not defending the choices in this film. Mm-hmm. I'm just giving this context as someone who lived through the 90s and lived through yeah. the Clinton era. And as fucked up and as terrible as it is, mm-hmm. we thought of this sort of thing as just like, oh, those wacky and crazy cross-dressers. Mm-hmm. Which is not okay. No. But it's just... It is. It's the like Mark Twain using. The time. Yeah, it's like Mark Twain using the N word. Mm-hmm. Except this is not a classic literature. This is a direct-to-video exploitation film. So that is the deal with Sister Gomez. Uh, the two deals with Sister Gomez. Yes. Yeah. Not okay. Mm-hmm. But it is a fact of the film. And again, if if this is. Like the breaking point for mm-hmm. whatever. Even if it's the breaking point for it's like, I can't support these guys for crawling about this movie that is so transphobic. That's yeah. fair. If that's this, fair. No, if this, if this kills it for you, this kills it for you, and that's valid. Absolutely. Again, however you feel, you are allowed to feel. Yeah. Now, From- let's, <laughs> let's be less uncomfortable by making fun of a disabled person. Yes. There's a hunchback. There is, uh, <laughs> There's a I don't- funny hunchback. Yeah, I don't know. I I was wondering while I was watching this, like, mm-hmm. is the term hunchback okay? I don't know. I feel like it's probably not. Probably not. I feel like there's probably some medical there's, terminology. Probably. I, I got around it by describing him as a man with a severe hunch. He's got a severe hunch. He's he's made to look like Quasimodo. He's got the one eye closed. Yes. He's got the same like shaggy haircut that actually, Lon Chaney Sr. famously had in that silent movie version. Actually, I'm sorry. This is the role Max Perlick plays, is Flacco. Oh, okay. Not the other guy. No. Okay. Yeah, Max Perla comes in and he's and he's playing uh, a hunch a, a a man with a severe hunch. Uh, hold on, he's playing a Richard the Third. We're reminded that Sister Gomez used to call Cyclona her little movie star. Mm-hmm. Sister Gomez looks at White Girl and says she has a hungry demon inside her, like Constantine Volume One. Ooh, reference. Yeah. Yeah. And Cyclona has a bloodthirsty, angry demon. Yes. Which would you rather have? Which would the I hungry rather demon have? or the bloodthirsty, angry demon? I feel like I prefer to have the hungry demon because I, I, I'm, I'm not as into the murder. Yeah. But I already eat constantly. Yeah. So I feel like the hungry demon would be less of an, a lifestyle adjustment for me. <sighs> what would you eat? W- w- like dream meal for your hungry demon? Ooh man, dream meal for my hum- hungry demon. 
Well, I'm having a hard time now not thinking about the giant pig that she eats in a bit. Yeah, she does eat a big old pig. And it does look delicious, so I think I would want to Does eat... it? Yeah. <laughs> Are you, you wanted to eat that piggy? I, I did not, but like the idea... I didn't really, but the Just idea, the idea, of, the a idea of a big roast pig is all I can think about right now. For some I've reason. had one, and it was like had some delicious stuffing inside of it. Awesome. Great shit. Great shit. So I think I chose well. Yep. Uh, so I have a hungry demon out in the trunk of my car. Oh, really? Yeah. Like Mr. Blonde's uh, <laughs> cop in Reservoir Dogs. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just for yeah, funsies. He's, he's credited in the credits as Mr. Blonde's cop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's all one word, Mr. Blonde's cop. Mr. Blonde's cop, yeah. Um, I was just thinking. Mr. Blonde's cop from Gedevan. In case you were wondering if Sister Gomez is a good person or is the famous witch from the end of Hansel and Gretel, the film shows you that there is a candy house on her table. Just in case you didn't understand. Candy house is main speak for gingerbread house. Yes. There's a candy house. Uh, but yeah, and, and she says that the, the, the way that they have to treat them is that they have to isolate and imprison Cyclona. Yes. And they she have must be to, kept in bondage. In bondage. They use that exact word. That exact word. And that they have and to... And she will suffer greatly. Yes. And, and that they that, have to feed... And feed and feed and feed and feed and feed a uh, white girl until the demon is just fed enough that it will pop out of her tummy and they can pull it out. That's science. That is That's science. The miracles of modern medicine. <laughs> and uh, Feed in, a demon, starve a fever. That's what they say. <laughs> that's what they say. And in the, the most overt reference to them being children since... Uh, Cyclona said, you won't tell anybody I pissed myself, will you? Uh, they believe her and just go along with what she says. Yeah. Well, really, what other option do they have? Uh, Actually, going you know, anywhere else. Going anywhere else. <laughs> Robbing Trick seems to be going pretty well. Seems to be going pretty well. They consistently continue to do that. <clears throat> uh, Sister Gomez also asks for money. Yes. Which they uh, Cyclona she, immediately forks over. Because while she's giving all this food... To white girl, she has to keep feeding the children. Yes, it's sort of a so pseudo... She needs money. It seems to be like a pseudo-orphanage type yes. thing. There are always cult. children around. Um, but Cyclona has to stay inside in bondage. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, white girl has to go out robbing tricks, doing what she does best. We get a whole montage of her doing it, which is well, um, first, great. Oh, so, yeah. No, you're right. We do hit... This is where the montage the happens. The montage happens. And it's fucking great. It's so great. Listen... I'm not the person to say what is girl power. Okay. This is girl power. This is girl power. <laughs> this feels like girl power to me. This feels <laughs> what the Spice Girls were talking about. Yeah, absolutely. This is exactly... Joey Spice is doing a great job. Yeah, Joey Spice? Joey Spice. Oh, I don't think you can say that. She she called herself that. Yeah, she can call herself that. Yeah, she's self-identified. You can't call I'm her I'm using Joey the title she chose. Okay, fine. But yeah, so she's but she's she, there's this great bit where there's there's like a language barrier, but the guy's like asking her for sexual favors, and she's like, "Oh yeah, this is gonna be great." And they go into the corner, and she just you know pistol whips she, the fuck out. Yeah, pistol whip. Sometimes she gives them an extra kick. Oh, of course, um, you gotta, you just gotta. Later, after this montage, Sister Gomez has prepared a feast for White Girl, mm -hmm. which is mostly an entire pig, which you apparently think looks delicious. I, I thought that the idea of the pig was You thought delicious. the idea of eating an entire pig. Yeah, I like that idea. I like that concept. Depends on how it was prepared, I guess. Sure, yeah. If it was, like, rolled in dirt, no. Yeah, no. But if it was cooked deliciously, yes. Exactly. I'm a tough critic like that. 
So white girl has to eat the entire pig. Yes. But she is forbidden from throwing up. Forbidden. Which is, here's the moment that took me out of the movie. I was like, why does this work now? Yeah, exactly. Why does telling her not to do it work now? Does it work? Because she goes back to her cell and doesn't she like immediately start puking in the toilet? I didn't think so. But again, I was taking notes. I was taking notes very quickly. I was kind of time crunched. Um, but, but either way, even if it did, even if it did work now, if it did or did not still, she's not getting any better treatment here than she did at the hospital. Again, it's people controlling her. Exactly. She even says to her, people feeding me and telling me not to throw up leaves a bad taste in my mouth after being in prison. Yeah. Yeah. She, she gives some, like, she still has a bit of her attitude, but... Mm -hmm. Also, at the same time, she's worried about Cyclona. Like, where's Cyclona? Like, yeah. I have to stick around here long enough to get her back, at least. And Sister Gomez is not giving her any reason to trust her, other than the fact that she's holding Cyclona. Like, the, the, she, she's always speaking in this very sort of soft voice because Vincent Gallo is a talentless hack who thinks that that's how you play a woman. But uh, he, but the the words that they're saying. Uh, to white girl are very sort of dismissive and and curt and rude. It's also sort of pseudo spiritual, where it's like I don't yeah. need to give you answers because I'm speaking for a higher power. Talk to the hand. Very culty. Talk to the hand of God. Yes, very culty. Uh, the uh, like you said, uh, Sister Gomez wants her to gain weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, around this time, I found out. I looked on, I think, IMDb trivia, which is not the best source of no. information. But there's not a lot of information about this film. Not a lot. Apparently, famous sexploitation director Doris Wishman was originally set to direct this film. Interesting. I've not seen any of Doris Wishman's work. No. I'm curious. I've I've been hearing her name more and more as I've been delving Ex- more exploring into sexploitation. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious to see it. Yeah, uh, I'd just be interested to see a sexploitation film made by a woman as opposed yeah. to uh, the most the ones that I've mostly heard about who are mostly men. Yeah. Uh, I know that she directed a film called, I believe, Deadly Weapons, which John Waters name drops, I believe, in his book Crackpot, mm-hmm. uh, which is stars a woman named Chesty Morgan, and she has large bosoms right. that she uses to kill people. Right. Deadly weapons. Deadly weapons. Right. Um, when uh, Sister Gomez gives a little sermon, mm-hmm. oddly there are a lot of children around and also a lot of fully grown men. Yes. Were alarm bells ringing now? Like, was anything going off in uh, your head? I well, alarm bells were ringing the minute they sh- they they showed the candy house. The problem was, as I as I wrote down, the minute Vincent Gallo showed up, and every time Vincent Gallo showed up, it made me. Not care. Gotcha. I was so angry just to see his face that I was like, I don't, I don't want any part of what you're selling. That's fine. Uh, it, because that's what I'm t- we're talking about. Yeah. It's like his presence in the film kind of ruined it for me. Like, and, and again, the minute he was gone and it was just a montage of Natasha Leone beating up tricks. Wow, um, the yeah. movie was back like immediately. But then he would come back on, and I was just. Mm, don't. I understand. Yeah. And again, however you feel is valid. Exactly. But uh, uh, so the yeah. cops have found White Girl and they follow her to Sister Gomez's hideout compound, whatever. Mm-hmm. White Girl asks where all the kids went yes. because they they have all gone. Yes, and Sister Gomez says, "No more little mice." 
Mm. A white girl finds blood on her hands when she sits down to eat. Yes. And gets suspicious. A little suspicious about this. She goes downstairs and she hears whimpering and she finds entrails on the stairs. Mm Mm-hmm. This movie has a lot of turns. This movie has a yes. lot of turns where it's like we're gonna we're gonna pivot to something yeah. different, fucked up. This is definitely um, the biggest pivot of the movie. Where yes, it just kind of like it's been a certain level of exploitation for most of the film. We are approaching the climax, and they are about to crank that meter. But again, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like it comes out of nowhere. It doesn't feel it like doesn't, no, alien to the at, to the movie. Again, like the minute I heard first heard "Little Movie Star," alarm bells were ringing. Mm-hmm. So I I was prepared for some dark shit like this. Yeah, but this doesn't feel where a lot of exploitation is meant to titillate. Yes, this does not feel lurid. This no, just feels like oh yeah, this is a terrible thing that's happening. Yes, and now our. For lack of a better word, heroin white girl is going to save the day and end this injustice. Yes. Like, harm has been inflicted on her. She will Mm -hmm. protect others from harm. Yeah, this movie is less about the titillation aspect of uh, exploitation. It is more about the shock uh, aspect of exploitation. Yeah, it's it's the bad taste. It's the, like, I can't believe they're doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So... The basement is this concrete hellscape, like out of Jacob's Ladder. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, lined very with much ch- out of Jacob's Ladder. Yeah, it's, there are ragged children on the sides of the walls. Yes, uh, there are chains, a bed, a movie camera. The kids and, are just standing there uh, without any kind of restraints, and, ha- and and just continue to stand there until White Girl tells them to vomit us. Yeah, and then they get out of there. And also a flying saucer-shaped lamp, mm-hmm. which Cyclona mentioned earlier was part of her visions that she saw a flying saucer. There's a video camera right there and yep. everything. White girl finds Cyclona in literal bondage. She mm-hmm. is. She has a leather mask on. She is mm-hmm. being suspended from the ceiling. She is mm-hmm. naked. This was a surprising to me because I assumed, even before this turn happened, that Cyclona had been made into the pig. That she oh. ate earlier, uh, because she kept saying she kept saying during that scene, "Where is Cyclona? Where is Cyclona?" And then she ate the pig. I was like, "Oh, she- Cyclona was the pig." Uh, I was wrong, but you uh, were wrong. But that is, uh, I wasn't too far off. But I, but I was wrong. Uh, and this is this is a fucking image and a half of mm-hmm. this poor girl. Yep. Uh, suspended from the ceiling in this sort of leather swing. Mm-hmm. Uh, white girl freezer. Cyclona tells White Girl that Sister Gomez is a cannibal and has yes. been eating the children. Yes. And was fattening up White Girl to eat. And was and made the children into the tamales that she was going to eat a moment ago. Yes. And yes. she was going to make I wrote I wrote uh and she also and also on top of that makes uh Cyclona. Make no, just makes oh. makes sexual films starring the children. Yes, including Cyclona when she was a child, and in this in this area. And I wrote down Vincent Gallo was an evil pervert. Also, the character he's playing eats and in, in fucks kids. Yeah, it's hard to get more fucked up than making child pornography. Hard to get more fucked up than this eating children. <laughs> yeah, but Sister Gomez has also been so- showing Cyclona old. Videos of her of being her molested. Own, of herself being molested. Which I think this... 
might be the, one of the more fucked up things I've ever heard in a movie. I think it might be the most fucked up thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I, I, I'm having a hard time thinking of any other movie that would top it. Holocaust, Schindler's List. I haven't seen the Schindler's List. You know about the Holocaust? I do know about it. Pretty bad thing. It is a pretty bad thing. Yeah. I heard mm. about it from the movie The Great Dictator. Oh. Yes. Mm, with and Sasha Baron Cohen, The Dictator. <laughs> sure. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, and then from uh, introducing, again, one of the worst and most fucked up things we've ever seen, uh, it, it, mm. it, then, it then decides... Since we're already here, let's get even more ridiculous. Imagine, okay, <laughs> this this entire movie. Yeah. I was about to say, here it goes off the rails, but the entire movie has been off the rails. It's like yes. a train goes off the rails and just happens to get onto the rails of another track yes. and then just keeps jumping rails successively. It's the most acrobatic train ride you'll ever have. But now, our old buddy Flacco, Flacco. comes down the stairs... And he is fucking Torgo from Manos the Hands of Fate. He's literally... He has fucking goat legs. This has yeah, to... He's a this, satyr. This has to be an overt reference. This it, has to be... It is. He, he, comes, he comes in. He's, he's a satyr. We, we saw him earlier uh, attempting to molest white girl when she was asleep. We kind of yeah. skipped over that. But he comes in as a satyr. Satyrs, famously horny, uh, mythical creatures. And, uh, yeah, it's it's... Complete with the fact that a lot of the early part of this movie was driving scenes, and now they've gone to a weird place with a person who loves women and has a and has a goat man for an assistant, and is also leading a cult, and is also leading a cult. This is now an unofficial remake of Manos: The Hands of Fate, and I'm here for it. Yeah, yeah, I'm here for uh, it. But white girl blasts him away. Yes, and in a very disturbing bit of audio design like mm -hmm. as Flacco is screaming like there are human screams in there yes but it's also modulated to sound like a goat yes and uh Flacco does not die easy the, the movie is has introduced a really dark fucked up element just a minute ago and it has decided uh in order to combat this it is now going to go even farther into the cartoon universe than it previously had yeah. by introducing a whole bunch of supernatural shit right at the tail end of this film. Upstairs we see Sister Gomez and here's the transphobic content we were talking about. Yes. Sister Gomez has her has their dick out for her gigantic it would be hilarious in other any other context. Gigantic yes. horrifically fake looking penis yes. coming out from under their dress. Yes. White girl a uh, white girl proclaims herself a minister of death. She says, I'm a minister of fucking death. And, and wonderful, I, wonderful. I just wish someone had told... And then Natasha Leone lights up Sister Gomez and her whole crew. Yes. But Natasha, I feel so... I, like, this should be so much cooler. Yeah. But M Natasha Leone's elbows are, like, glued to her sides. No, we were watching this again. I was watching this with Kaylee, and Kaylee started... It was like, why... She was dying laughing. Why, why is she holding the guns like that? Yeah, it's... <laughs> I don't know... It's I think not about probably, real. I think probably Natasha Leone hasn't blown away a lot of people in her life. I'm, I'm, I imagine she was very uncomfortable with the guns and was like... I will say, in in a fun like uh, element of this, as the scene goes on, her posture with the guns becomes more and more uh, 
yeah, she correct. Gets a like, little bit like looser, she, gets, she gets even. She gets better and better as she's doing it. Like almost like White Girl is getting a taste for it. Maybe that's the point. Maybe we're maybe, underestimating the film. Maybe she's she's fully become the minister of fucking death. But as as sort of lame as Natasha Lyonne looks when she should be in her fucking Phoenix Rising moment, she is wearing a red dress that weirdly looks a lot like the red dress that Harley Quinn wears in that scene where she kills everyone in the recent James Gunn Suicide Squad movie. Which is also pretty cool. Sure. Cool to have a cool, uh, a nice killing people outfit to kill people with. And after blowing away everybody, she goes. But up. the the carnage scene flicks is yes. pretty well filmed. It's awesome. I was gonna say it was. I originally started typing my notes. Oh, here's a terribly lame action scene. No, Natasha Leone just wasn't coached on how to hold a gun and look cool. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's it. it. And uh, I've I've seen plenty of male action stars with the same problem. The cops converge on uh, Sister Gomez's hideout. Mm-hmm. White girl screams to Cyclone about how Sister Gomez is a man, and she pistol whips uh, Cyclone. Uh, there is a Sister very Gomez. brutal beating that really takes brutal. place, and frankly, one of my favorite scenes in the movie because I got to see Vincent Gallo get pistol, but also has terribly transphobic connotations. Oh, given yeah. how much violence trans people face. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so not crazy about at that aspect about of that. it, but as you were mentioning, there's a supernatural aspect to all this, where uh, at- Sister Gomez is proclaiming that she lived for a thousand years. Mm-hmm. That Sister Gomez is proclaiming that they lived for a thousand years and will yes. live for a thousand more. Yes, and as they're beating Sister Gomez with the pistol, Sister Gomez's face keeps transforming more and more into a stereotypical Wizard of Oz style witch. Yes. And as it, it turns into a full witch, they throw uh, the witch into the oven, and uh, they claim that their father, Jupiter, will be very angry. Jupiter, for those who don't know, the Roman version of Zeus, the Greek god Zeus, and that he will send many harpies to avenge them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hagen had an interesting fan theory about this, and because I couldn't find any actual behind-the-scenes information about what their intention was, I'm just going to read it out because it was interesting. Uh, they're... They believe that Sister Gomez is meant to be Dionysus or Bacchus. I do not know which is the Greek or which is the Roman name. I'm not sure. But uh, they were famously served by satyrs. Mm-hmm. The male followers of this god would dress as women, and the female followers would wear large phalluses. Dionysus, yeah, Dionysus does have this sort of uh, non-binary mm-hmm. thing going. Yeah, on. in in the in the canon of the myth, uh, Bacchus was raised as a girl and often dressed more feminine than was normal for many ancient Greek deities. So that might be the connection. It could be, and or I hope maybe I, they didn't think about it that way, or maybe it was just like, oh yeah, the sickos, uh, yeah. I, I hope it is as literate as that. It still does that not come across cool. well. It still plays very poorly. There's some sort of mythological shit going on in this movie between that and the earlier reference to uh, th- yeah, but like yeah, the, I did. the Valkyries. I just I can't put my get my head around what they were trying to do or say if they were trying to do or say anything. I don't. I don't know. Uh, I don't knows? know. It's it's the worst part of this film. I yeah. wish it was not an element. There is no reason that it's the the transphobia, not the mythology. It's the transphobia. It's yeah. the, it's the ultimate. It's the, and again the mythological beating, references we don't have a problem with. It's it's the transphobia. Bit. The beating that Sister Gomez gets, and mm-hmm. granted, the character deserves it because oh, yeah. they're a 
cannibal, child molester, child pornographer. Yeah. But there this, is... This character could have just been a woman. Yeah. Could have just been a man priest. It could have mm-hmm. been... And, uh... Could have been anything. It could have been... Yeah. Yeah. But they they decide to, to add that element, which immediately takes away from the enjoyment of what should have been the comeuppance of a villain. And I'm sure if I watched this in 1999, I would be unfazed. But now sure. I... Now I know better. Right. That's... It's... Uh, but the cops are outside the door. They... They turn up the oven. They burn. They burn uh, Sister Gomez to death, and uh, uh, Natasha Leone wins her action movie hero accolades by saying, "Roast in peace." <laughs> uh, the Perfect. Cop, the Perfect. cops are outside the door. We get another great exchange between White Girl and Cyclona. Mm-hmm. You were right to kill your family, Cyclona. No one oh, ever told me that before. One last thing. Very cool to watch Vincent Gallo get killed by a Jewish woman. Uh, who was identified in the film as a rape victim since he uh, thinks that rape victims are making it up and he hates the Jews. Okay. Yeah. Cool. But yeah. But yeah, she tells she tells Cyclona, you weren't making it up and you were right to kill your family. Yeah. And Cyclona says that's the first time anyone's ever told me that. No one's ever that. told me that before. And weird and and the movie has set up this scene so well that these lines that should be hilarious are actually very heartfelt and uh, emotional. Yeah. At the end, I, it's uh, Cyclona pleads with White Girl to kill her before the cops mm-hmm. take her, because again, like her her murder spree has been reported on the news. The cops know about it. Mm-hmm. They know that White Girl was most likely not involved, but it's Cyclona is not going to fare well. Yeah. If she gets taken in, and she makes the last mythological reference that the film makes, where she says that when she comes back, she'll her, come back with wings and claws. Yes. Uh, not sure what exactly that's a reference to, but they just mentioned harpies, so I'm thinking maybe that has something to do with it. Either way, she is going to be... It's odd and sort of beautiful That's like, I'm not going to come back as something... I'm going to come back as something that can attack. Yeah. As well as, like, soar and Something that is free and also defended. Yes. Yeah. Um, White girl kills her, Mm -hmm. and it's a pretty gnarly aftermath. Mm-hmm. The cops bust in. White girl pulls a gun to one of their heads. She ends up making a deal uh, because the cops get to claim the bust for the child pornography shit. Mm-hmm. And white girl is absolved of any of the killings. Uh, the since Mexico isn't pressing any charges, mm-hmm. and her conviction was overturned. Yep, she is free to go. Her lawyer is there. She jumps into his arms, and they walk off into the sunset yes. to have uh, unethical sex. Right. So that is our very long episode about... <laughs> surprisingly long. I was and surprisingly serious episode. I was expecting a much goofier, much shorter ta- talk. I was but, too, uh, but we had... I think we underestimated how uncomfortable talking about this subject matter would make us. Well, yeah, we had to talk around that a bit and also give our lack of bona fides uh, to talk about this. We realized, oh, wait a second, we're very much unqualified to discuss these topics. But also, as exploitation lovers, we have to confront these things. We have to ask ourselves, like, okay, is this just... What are the ethics of... Uh, enjoying what this are what are the ethics? Stuff. What are the intentions? And ultimately, we're just justifying it to ourselves. But mm-hmm. like we said, no one is a hegemony. Like, yeah, our maybe our excuses are good enough for one person. Maybe they're not for another. Mm-hmm. However, you feel, you feel. 
Exactly. Billy, do you know what you want to talk about? We're taking a week off. Yes. Because I'm in a play and we'll have a tech week. Mm-hmm. But we will return to you with, Billy, do you have any idea? Yeah, I think we're going to talk about, uh, we don't talk, we talk about uh, movies a lot here, but there's a whole wing of movies we haven't really explored, and that is animated movies. We've talked about one animated movie in the whole run of this show, and there's so much weird animation, so I want to get us kicked off uh, by talking about uh, one of the the first real landmark weird animated movies to be made in America, and that is uh, Fritz the Cat. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Sounds great. All right. Uh, thank you for joining us. Yes. Uh, we'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye-bye. Sorry, my mouth is very juicy. That's okay. So is mine.